Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Counting down the hours to the official beginning of hockey season around these parts with Winnipeg Jets training camp officially underway on Thursday night. But the Young Stars just finished up in Penticton. We'll find out who stood out and how the trip was with Jamie Thomas. And then looking forward to chopping it up with Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, on all the big storylines heading into Winnipeg Jets training camp later on this week. We'll also get to a little football talk. Bombers on the bye this week. But our pal Andy McNamara, probably a very a very sad Andy McNamara joining us in. Of course, uh, long-time listeners know our pal Andy is the... Uh, the chairman of Cleveland Browns Nation. Tough loss last night to the Pittsburgh Steelers. An even tougher loss of Nick Chubb on a gruesome knee injury last night. And we wonder why these running backs are trying to get their secured money. Um, perfect example of that last night. So we will talk a little NFL later on in the program. But definitely focus in on the Winnipeg Jets as well as some information uh, that is going to be released later on in the week at the Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest. Um, lots of anticipation for that, and we will be at FanFest. So hopefully you can come by and say hi. I know the IC boys are going to be cranking out their program live from 9 to 11, um, and we'll be uh, be a busy day, so hopefully we'll see you all down there on Saturday at the Hockey for All Center. Um, just before I bring in Michael Remus and we get after it, a big shout-out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Coolbet Canada, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports and BP, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop, Cinnaboya Downs, two days left of live racing, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and of course our friends at Little Brown Jug, where I believe Dallas is tuning in right now after having a beautiful lunch on the patio on this gorgeous late September day. Um, and speaking of a Cinnaboya Downs, let's welcome in Michael Remus, who uh, may have put, dropped the hammer on me in our very tight season-long competition with that massive triactor last night. Guess who's in a good mood today? Oh, man. I was, like, jumping for joy. I was getting so, like, depressed from my picks. But this, is like, undoes everything. I think that's the biggest win uh, uh, on a single wager all year in the in the uh, my, my yeah my so I bet a six dollar tractor box so it's you know one dollar bet six times and I won on it. Hold on, what's the number? One hundred and fifty dollars and seventy cents on a one dollar bet. It was a six dollar bet, but and I hit the nine four one tractor and a Cosana, who which I have won on before, just a pose and double barrel elite. And I actually think that that was the pro- that was the program selections too what? on that particular race. So, well, all you got to do is follow the program. We'll fire we'll fire out a couple more uh, later on, but yeah, just two days left to get out to the track, and uh, my God, what a beautiful day to do that! Uh, I think we're looking at about a high of twenty eight degrees right now, unseasonably warm. And we will take it. Have to admit, Remus, nice to have this beautiful weather as everybody gets to town for Winnipeg Jet training camp, especially the new guys that haven't been around here. They probably mm-hmm. heard all these horror stories about our weather. Most of it all true. Um, <laughs> but 
<laughs> but at least they get a little taste of how nice it can be around here when it's not subarctic in the winter. Although we know that's coming along with 82 games of NHL action beginning on the 11th of October. Yeah, I played hockey last night and I got out of the arena like close to 10. It was still so hot outside. I was like, what month is this right now? And I'm looking at the weather, 25 degrees and the weekend looking great, looking great as well. All over 20. Enjoy it, Huss. This is awesome. Uh, it's not quite su- summer's still here. It's not quite fall yet. Shout out to everybody in chat. I see uh, Kochi, happy two for Tuesday, Huss. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if I'm making a uh, trip by Sal's at some point today. That is uh, that is often part of my routine on Tuesday. I will definitely admit to that. And uh, and here's one from Lynn Reimer. She said, can we shout out Kareen Schroeder from small town Manitoba? for being selected by New York in the PWHL draft yesterday. You know, we were on the air when this was happening, Reem, just before we get to the Jets. And um, we were talking about Jocelyn LaRocque, who, of course, from St. Anne, who went second overall in the draft. And just so people know, before the draft happened, every team was able to sign three players. So many of the top players from both the U.S. and Canadian women's national team were signed uh, but Jocelyn was the second player drafted. I believe she went to the Toronto squad. Um, but I saw some of the coverage later on, and I have to. I know we were giving TSN a hard time about the TSN Plus and the Manning broadcast. This league will work if it is properly supported. I think by media in uh, in Canada, it's very hard to you know build an upstart league or a new um, a new endeavor, you know, without. I don't want to say necessarily promotion, <clears throat> excuse me, but the opportunity for people to to learn about it, to follow it. Um, and obviously, I think both of the national companies have made uh, a point of doing what they can to support women's sports, especially TSN. But awesome panel yesterday with all four women breaking down all the picks. Billie Jean King was there announcing many of them. Um, and I have to say, for uh, you know, as someone that has worked in women's hockey before, we obviously had one of the great women's hockey events of all time here in Winnipeg in 2007 with the World Women's Championships. It was great to see. This looks big league right now. And, I mean, they've been button heads for so long with those two rival leagues. And I know there were some people that lost jobs and there's less opportunities for players right now. But this original six of the PWHL, I think, is really intriguing. I think it should be exciting for hockey fans. And uh, I thought they did a heck of a job, as well as the folks and uh, folks, and particularly the women at TSN, for promoting the um, you know the birth of the league the way they did yesterday with the first ever draft. Yeah, it looked like a great event there held at the CBC headquarters. Uh, saw a ton of coverage online, and you know we talked about Jocelyn Rock going second overall, and Lynn's giving a shout to Corinne Schroeder, Elm Creek, Manitoba, went to Balmoral Hall, played for Boston University and Quinnipiac. Uh, that's that's awesome. So uh, some local content there, and I'm sure we'll be following this league. I mean, you look at the WNBA, Huss, I think it's the in- interest has been going steadily up. There's no reason why, you know, there shouldn't be a, a women's hockey league with, you know, what we've seen with the rivalry with Canada and U.S. And, you know, the two leagues, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing it with spring football today with the XFL and USFL merging. Uh, that's a different story, but, uh, you know, with the two leagues, the women, you know, now there's one and uh, wishing them all the best. I hope this works and I'm looking forward to following it. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, the chat's hilarious already right now. Hot Linda has popped in. This Remo kid knows the horse. Stuff. That's I'm that's good the horse for the record with double barreled elite, and uh, <laughs> of course, uh, of course, our buddy T Poly Hus can't wait for Villy and Bauer training camp stra- uh, scrap. Yeah, he wrote that in a comment. Uh, if we're doing that, if we're doing that in the uh, cool bet lines, that would be Bauer minus a hundred thousand. Something tells me that I don't think our boy Billy's path to playing in the National Hockey League involves dropping the gloves with bruisers like Bauer. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. And Remo, I'm looking forward to talking to Jamie Thomas about what happened in Penticton, who sort of stood out to him, and the guys that you know sort of built through the event and are prepared for, in many cases, their first NHL training camp with the Vets beginning on Thursday. Um, but as I teased right in the opening, um, the Jets have teased some information that we're going to find out on Saturday, including uh, what we understand is a new jersey to be worn um, at times this season, essentially a third jersey for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, we got um, we got a notification from True North, an email saying media are invited to attend a special jersey unveiling take place at FanFest Hockey for All Center Saturday. Um, so we could do some interviews after, get some footage. So a Winnipeg Jets jersey at FanFest, a special 23-24 jersey. I've seen people speculating online that they're going to announce like a whole, like that they're moving to the Heritage. That's not what this says here. It just says one special jersey will be unveiled at 1145 on Saturday. We'll be, yeah, it- we hope to be broadcasting. We're going to be getting set up. There, so we actually won't be, you know, maybe we'll have peripheral view, but won't be right up in there for the unveiling. But we'll be well, there. And, and hey, guess what? Ezzy, Ezzy Ginsberg, the OG himself, has popped in. Shana Tova, Winnipeg Sports Talk, right back at you, Ez. And uh, as I mentioned off the top, we're going to be at FanFest, and so will I see. Uh, they're going to be doing their show live 9 to 11. I think we're going to be hanging out with the fellas in basically the same spot. So make your plans to come out to FanFest. Pop by and see the IC boys. Pop by and see us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. And then just before noon, um, take in this unveiling of this new jersey for the upcoming year. Now, I, I think what you mentioned, Remo, I mean, a lot of talk about the Heritage jerseys. And, I mean, it has been interesting to see how much the players – the veterans have been wearing the red pants, yes, which of course go with that, and I think that sparked some interest. I would imagine, like I think these are two very different things. The jersey that's going to be unveiled is a is, from what I understand, a new jersey that we have not seen yet in the National Hockey League. We'll get details on when that jersey is going to be worn um, and all of that. The other side of the question um, is, what will the regular nights be? And, and I, I'm here for the speculation that we will see more of the Heritage jersey this year, whether that becomes, and I'm not saying it will be, I mean, I know it has been speculated just from, you know, a lot of people talking about, well, the first of all, the popularity of those jerseys and how sweet they are, uh, but also the fact that we've seen the players, you know, using those red pants a lot more in the lead up to it, potentially more of a mix or maybe more nights of the Heritage jersey. But there'll be a lot of intrigue as to what this these new duds look like on Saturday, as well as if we get information on just how 
um, the jerseys will be worn this year, uh, when the team will be wearing what, and whether we'll get a little bit more of those uh, beautiful heritage duds for the Winnipeg Jets this year at home. Yeah, there's nothing more than I love to do on the show than rate jerseys. And I've seen a couple other teams announce specialty jerseys. The Bruins doing their centennial jersey, almost like the Happy Gilmore style from the early 90s, but not quite. So we'll be getting here. Although my grading on past Jets jerseys, like I gave, like when they was unveiled, I gave the Aviator one was not a fan, but now I'm like wanting them to br- to bring it back. Um, maybe with a different logo, but uh, I do like the color scheme of that one. And the first reverse retro, um, I think looked better looked better as a uniform than just like a regular jersey. Yeah, uh, you know what? I really um, so the first reverse retro was this sort of silvery gray one. Is that yes? That's the one we're talking. Yeah. Those are really, really sharp when you see them, um, you know, up front. And I, I thought they looked great on the uh, on the team as well. But we'll uh, have to wait until Saturday. But another reason to come down to FanFest and uh, join in for what should be a, a great day. Um, and while you're at it, you can uh, come and talk to us and get a little info if you haven't already and jumped on that WST4 game pack. Um, we can... Uh, Set you up with some folks to uh, to get that done if you want to join us. And by the way, shout out to uh, the Gitch, uh, who I did pop into or run into last night towards the end of the Monday Nighter. Uh, chalk up another WST favorite joining us for four games this year at Canada Life Center. So a uh, shout out to Gitch. If you want more information on the pack, go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click that link or there is a link in the description and... Uh, that's going to be a great deal. We're going to do a little party before every game with a little early entry. Uh, every ticket comes with a beer, drink, soda, or pop for each of the four games. We'll do some uh, WST raffles beforehand as well. So it's uh, been unbelievable response so far. So if you are thinking about uh, you know a smaller package, do it with us. Section 316, 317. That corner is going to be rocking for those four games against LA, Edmonton, the Leafs, and Calgary. And, of course, our first date will be welcoming back Pierre-Luc Dubois on the 17th of October. Um, Remo, we um, we are, of course, we mentioned FanFest and the jerseys uh, that we're going to get this, uh, this weekend. Um, but come Thursday, it's on right now. And, um, you know, we're going to talk to Jamie shortly uh, about what he saw in training camp. But, I mean, to me... And maybe this camp is a little bit different because of the off-season changes, the Dubois trade, the new guys coming in from L.A. Uh, I know people are already firing out lines from the coaches' skates or whatever you want to call it before training camp officially starts. Um, So, I mean, I think that is going to be right at the top of the list where things get going when Rick Bonus is out there running the show. but the other part of me, and maybe the first week is always the most interesting, is how these young men that just performed at the Young Stars tournament uh, do when they get to main camp with NHL vets and regulars. And the likes of Colby Barlow we're going to see for the first time. Chaz and Lambert will be back. I'll tell you what, maybe coming out of this uh, this event, the guy that I'm most excited to see, you know, how he handles is definitely going to be in the mix is this Chibrikov and We'll be talking to Jamie about him uh, in a few minutes when he joins us on the show. Yeah, Chibrikov with an assist in yesterday's game and a goal as well. And, you know, as you kind of 
ripped on me at the end of the show because the Jets released their training camp rosters for Team Newmanen and Team Solani, and you try to read between the lines there. As Ken Wee would say, you can kind of figure out what the NHL lines are going to come out. And you, you mocked me for that. You said it was yeah, it was I clickbait. Did. Well, yeah. that's wrong. By the well, way, first of all, one, it is. It's your boy Bruce gave about. you the greatest nickname that is going to stick. Yeah. Click bonus. Well, AKA anyways, Ma- Mike okay. Remus, the CTO. Anyways, Mike McIntyre, the Big J journalist who's coming on our show later on, he tweeted out his projected lines, which were basically the same. As mine. So here's what <laughs> here's what Mike tweeted out. Now we can now it's a real news. Mike tweeted it out. When I do it, it's speculation because I'm not I'm not a journalist. I'm just here. And uh, here's the lines that we're talking about for training camp. If you you know look at the way they did the groups for Newman and Solani, you got Connor Shafley, Velarde, and the, getting the first crack at second line center. The question that. You know, t- turned Ken into a pickle. Niederreiter, Perfetti, Ehlers. And shout out to Ken. I read his uh, newest at the Winnipeg Free Press. Now, good to see him. Looked like a kid on his first day of school with a backpack there, Ken. Uh, <laughs> I follow Lowry Appleton. Uh, Baron, Kupari, Nemesnikov. And then he's got, v- this is what Mike has. Veal, Gustafson, Reichel. AJF, Toninato, Harkins. Torgerson, Lucius, Barlow. Chibrikov, Lambert, Malat, and um, and oh, Julian writes in chat. Murat also had projected lines, so I don't know why you think it's so bad to have projected lines for day one of campus. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> well, I think we went through this yesterday. I think guessing lines based on, on <laughs> just on training camp beforehand that yeah. can change in a well, moment is a Listen, no. people like it. I, I I mean, I will defer to you. It got a lot of talk. We're talking about this right now. People in the chat are already debating speculative training camp lines. Let's just yeah. remember what we're talking about here, folks. What do you think we're supposed to lines. do? What do you think we're supposed to do between now until Thursday? We act, <laughs> we actually have, like, info that we could we've been talking about. Who is the second-line center? Now we can see. It's Cole Perfetti. Day one, it's going to be Perfetti. So he gets the first crack. Can he stay out? And healthy? how do we know this? How do we know this? Because we're all... We don't. What do you mean? Look at the rosters. What do you think? <laughs> Lowry? Fine. Maybe it's Lowry, Niederreiter, ears. Maybe they move the captain up to line two. Uh, there's two centers in the group, Perfetti and I Lowry. I can't wait till Rasmus Kapari is the second line center in the first game and everyone loses their minds. <laughs> I don't want to see what Rasmus can do. I will do. say this. You know what? This is a fun exercise, and we can throw this around. But we'll, we'll be productive use of our time. We'll be finding out about the young men that wore Jets jerseys in Penticton at the Young Stars Tournament. And we're going to do that with Jamie Thomas coming up in just a second. Uh, before we bring on JT, uh, do want to thank our friends, uh, and the wonderful sponsors over at Modern Man Barber Shops. Guys, you need to uh, clean it up heading into training camp or uh, the rest of September. Get on down to Modern Man Barber Shop. There's one conveniently located near you because there's eight locations now in the city of Winnipeg, including the newest ones on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered, guys, with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and make an appointment. And give them a follow on Instagram as well. 
over at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, man, we're getting a little bit of extra pool weather, so all, all of you with those Aquatech pools, um, crank it out. I see Bridget is out at uh, Beach Day today, out at Grand Beach. Who would have thought that two days before training camp begins? But, of course, Aquatech are not only leaders in in-ground and above-ground pools, but also home renovations with thousands of renos as their foundation. Um, right now... If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, talk to our friends at Aquatech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And heck, I mean, this does feel like summer right now. I'd say, uh, you know, uh, get uh, over to Manitoba Battery and uh, make sure we've got batteries for the uh, the boat. Head out of the river tonight or something like that, of course. No matter what you need batteries for, Manitoba Battery is the number one source for batteries in Winnipeg with the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores and the best service in town because Donnie and the gang will deliver those batteries to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It is that easy. Whatever your battery needs are, shop local, do it at Manitoba Battery. You can order online at manitobabattery.com. Give them a phone call as well. Or if you are in the neighborhood, pop by and see Donnie and his great staff, 1026 Logan Avenue for our friends at Manitoba Battery. Just before we bring in JT, Canada's favorite whiskey, Canadian Club, is also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. No bomber game this week, but you know there'll be some CC Geefen fans warm in that big Grey Cup rematch coming up a week Friday. And don't forget... CC and Ginger premix cocktails available in cans right now, both at Manitoba Liquor Marts, but also at your local beer store. All right, Mike McIntyre's coming up in a little bit, but our boy Jamie Thomas, the commissioner, is back from Penticton, probably getting him in the middle of working the waiver wire right now, heading into week three of the fantasy season. <laughs> what, what's up, Jamie? How was the uh, how was the trip? <laughs> It's like, it's like I've got like three windows open on top, <laughs> three or four tabs. I'm looking at the seven fantasy football pools that I'm in. I know you well. <laughs> Thank you. It's like we've been together for a long time. You get me. That's the one thing I get to. <laughs> Apologies. My dog's going nuts. The FedEx is here dropping off another package for my wife. <laughs> so, uh, it was all good. Oh, the dogs are always welcome. If you want to rustle yeah. them over here. Tony. We'll, be able to, we'll be able to go and take care of the FedEx guy. <laughs> Good security at the Thomas he listens, household. He listens one time. Anyways, um, Fantica was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Tell us yeah. about the, I mean, you know, some of these young players had been in this event before. Um, there were plenty of new ones. Um, before mm-hmm. we get to actually on the ice, just tell us about, I'd imagine there is some semblance of team building, sort of like a mini training camp for these young players who you know, in a lot of ways are beginning their Jets journey together with many of their age group contemporaries, uh, regardless of what the plan is or where they'll be playing later on the season. Uh, one, one of the things that kind of was beneficial for this group this year was development camp. And I spoke with Dominic DiVincentis on the first day of, uh, when we got to Penticton and he said that that was a big difference as compared to last year to allow the guys to bond together. Penticton kind of happens really fast. And, I, and if if there's any time for them to bond, it's the trip there. So we have to fly to Calgary, 
fly to Kelowna, then bus from Kelowna to Penticton. So of, of the four teams, the Jets get the shaft the most. Like, but it's not even close. So uh, it, it's a long travel day the first day. So I think they, they get to spend a lot of time together that that aspect. And then they're right into a game on Friday against the Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers. But it's it, it was good. Saturday, they, you know, they practiced. They got to hang out together. They hung out together immediately after the game on Sunday. And, and I said this earlier today, like the, the game times are not ideal. They play at four o'clock on Friday in the afternoon, Saturday at off Tuesday or sorry, Sunday, Sunday, they play at 2 PM. And then on Monday, Monday morning, us, they play at 10 AM. So there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, you could understand why they looked a little fatigued in the third period of that game against the Calgary flames yesterday morning slash afternoon. But, uh, it, I think there's enough there. And on the way back, we stopped in Kelowna had a big team dinner at Earl. So it, it, it was fantastic. They also went for a team dinner on, on Saturday night, I believe. At a place called Salty's, a, a seafood restaurant right on Lake Okanagan. It's, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful scenery, of course, to, to look at while you're having dinner. So there's lots of time for the guys to get together. And I will say this, they hung out a lot. Um, you know, clearly, uh, I think that's just the best time for them. It's going to get crazy now as camp gets here and speaking with numerous numerous members of, of, the, of the prospects. They're really excited about getting to main camp just to see how they're going to fit in and how they're going to be to acclimate to that and that speed and, and the, the physicality, I guess, is another way of looking at it. Hey, speaking of uh, of hanging out before we get to the games and the players, mm. Mm. you got to hang out with our old pal Dennis Bayak. Uh, what was yeah. uh, how was Dennis doing? We're going to have to get him back on the show in the next little bit. But um, yeah, for sure. How is he doing? What was it like catching up with a uh, a Jets broadcasting legend? Yeah, it's listen. We uh, Cam Penny, our social media guru, threw up a photo of Dennis on X slash Twitter. And I think it got two thousand likes. Like it just, it's just. I mean, the guy can do no wrong. Put a statue up already. But that's that's where he sits. He's the mayor, all that stuff like that. But it, it was great to catch up with him. He was in Europe for the majority. Like Dennis lives in Kelowna, um, and you know, clearly a lot of the fires were there. So we spent a good part of the interview talking about the work that was done by the firefighters over that you know tumultuous time. In, in the Okanagan too. Was his so, place okay? Yeah, his place. I think it was like a kilometer. He said it was away, but a lot of smoke. Well, I mean, um, I, I had heard. I mean, I think Rick, uh, uh, Rick was checking in with Dennis, and he was actually yeah. in Germany at the time of the fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the area was evacuated. Yes. I can't imagine the helpless feeling. You're halfway across the world on mm-hmm. another continent, getting this information that your neighborhood has been evacuated. You don't know whether you're coming back to a house or not. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, he was worried. And um, I guess his, when he came back, it was the best time. And he, and on top of this, when we flew to Penticton or when we got to Penticton or before we got there, when we got to Kelowna, the road had just opened up because there was a rock avalanche two that had blocked one lane of traffic going into Penticton from Kelowna. So that was down to one lane. It had just opened two days before we arrived or else the, the jets were going to have to take a long road. The other on highway 33, I believe, which would add another minute, hour and a half to their travel time. But it, going back to Dennis, so it, it was great to catch up with him. He's happy. He's got one more uh, World Juniors, I believe, uh, in Sweden on his uh, mantle. And then that's it. Like, I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think that Dennis Beck won't be calling games any longer. But uh, it was it was fantastic to catch up with him. He got to catch up with Craig Heisinger. Um, you know, Zinger was – I don't know if you saw Zinger was legendary. Like, he, when we – I talked to him – on Sunday afternoon against Vancouver, and it was not a good first period for the Jets. They were completely outplayed by Vancouver, and I asked him if there was, you know, improvement from the first period of the game against Edmonton to the game against Vancouver, and his, his only answer was no. 
And, you know, four years, <laughs> <laughs> it was like just a resounding no. And then, like the best part of it was if I, if that would have happened to me four years ago, I would have been deer in the headlights. What do I do now? But I know, I know that's him. You just move on to the next subject, but he, he's, he's just, he's just, he's the best. He's the best because he's blunt. He's honest. You never know. He never holds back. And uh, that was one of those times. But no uh, wasted I know words. No wasted <laughs> no, words. I'm saying. No. He did have some good words to say about the goaltending and the work. You know. Well, let's start there. Let's start yeah. there because, I, I mean, listen, <clears throat> I never try and take too much from this. I mean, when you're watching you it, can. you'll see some kids that stand out. He's really fast. He's got a good shot. Yeah. You know, some of those individual things that will pop out. But, I mean, you're putting these guys together. You're playing – uh, you know, it, it, listen, this is not a coached up squad. This is, no. you know, go out there, show what you can do. Um, and listen, sometimes that can lead to sloppy play, defensive breakdowns. Um, it certainly did seem like the goalies were given plenty of opportunities to shine. And, and both of them did. Uh, what did you think about the young men in net? Yeah, it, it was, you know, Dominic DiVincentis on, on, in the first game on Friday against Edmonton, and he, he flat out kept him in the game. They, they lost 3-1, but he makes 33 saves, and he was outstanding. So you, you think with DiVincentis last year, he had to wait till the third game of the tournament. So imagine being a young kid, and you're watching Arvid Holm go, and then Oscari Salmonen goes, and then it's his turn. You have to wait all the way through there. So he, But what he took from that was the ability to watch how these guys prepared uh, before the game. Uh, Devin Chentis ended up being the only goaltender to win a game in the tournament last year as he won the finale against Calgary, and it was great there and a great again. And then you go to Thomas Millich um, on on Sunday afternoon against Vancouver when they were heavily, like, completely outplayed for the first two periods. It was it, there's a lot of guys from Abbotsford uh, on that roster that that Vancouver brought, so there was that men versus boys kind of thing going on for a little bit. But Thomas Millich was unbelievable. He he was so good. He he had an unbelievable save right at the end of the second period that kept the Jets only down two goals. And then there was a huge scrum afterwards. And that and then talked to a lot of the players afterwards. They said that scrum got them fired up. And of course, Winnipeg play, played much better in the third period, all because Thomas Millich held them in for the first forty minutes. And then both goaltenders were fantastic again on Monday morning. So if there's if there's one place to be excited about. And I'm not taking away from anybody else because everybody had their moments. And we'll get to that in a second. It's just that the goaltending looks like it's a good in a good place. And speaking with Drew McIntyre, who's the Moose goaltending coach slash consultant, you know, he scouted both those players before they were drafted by the Winnipeg Jets. He played a large role. He's been had a great relationship with them. And he said to me before the after the Edmonton game that, you know, if I asked those guys to stand on their head and stop pucks that way, they would. That's how much they take, you know, they're great to they're very coachable. Um, they take information. DiVincentis told me, he goes, I can't get enough information from Drew. I want to take advantage of, of this as much as I can. So I think, you know, it's a ways down the road. We don't want to look like next year right now about DiVincentis and, and, and Millich, but it looks like the Jets are in a good spot with goaltenders who are drafting the seventh and fifth round, respectively. Well, it, it, exactly. And I mean, obviously, uh, DiVincentis uh, projects to go back to the Ontario Hockey League. Yes. I think he just had like a 55 save performance in the first game of the season before coming. Against Colby here, so. Barlow and company. So it's just like, it just like. Picking I mean, up where he left off last season. Another, another story that you'll love. When I was talking to DiVincentis, he said, I was talking to Colby Barlow. Before this tournament started, I'm like, listen, kid. He says, I'm like, listen, kid. <laughs> he's like, one year older than Colby Barlow. <laughs> and he's like, just play your game and you're going to relax. <laughs> Demon Chen just all, all of one game of 
of Young Stars Classic, um, you know, experience passing on wisdom to Colby Barlow. I found that very, very funny. But I mean, it's fantastic that, you know, they're friends clearly from their time in the Ontario Hockey League and, and being Winnipeg Jet prospects. But just you can sense they're a tight knit group already at this age. So that can only bode well later in the future. Well, I mean, listen, and Barlow was one of just such a big story coming out of the mm. draft, heading into development camp right afterwards. Yeah, I mean, he and Rucker McGrory sort of being the vibes guys in and around there that were just so positive. I mean, it was so much fun talking about it and hearing from the yeah. guys when we were here on this program back in early July. Um, but now, I mean, this is uh, this is serious business. This is professional hockey going into training camp, um, which is why for a player like Barlow, I think this tournament is, is so important. I mean, yeah. did you see him sort of progress through the weekend i mean get better get more comfortable through it and um just what were your observations of him and i'm sure you spoke with him as well how did he feel that um the entire operation went from uh from the jets first rounder from 2023 yeah well mark morrison said after the first game against edmonton on friday that there's a lot of players out there that looked overwhelmed with the speed and size and strength of the opposition so edmonton had a few guys that played the american hockey league in bakersfield so a lot of bigger guys stronger players. I think Colby Barlow kind of fit into that category. And then after, in, that, in the third period against Vancouver, he had a great power play goal and a great setup from Daniel Torgerson. And then you saw him in the, in the shootout with this a beautiful shootout goal, looked for five hole and he fired it right, right through the pads to, to help the Jets win that, win that shootout. So you see it and they got set up a couple of times in the power play. You see the release. Even Chances was talking about how heavy his shot is, how great his release is. It's there. So that was, you know, you didn't see it in the first game, but you saw it in the next two games. That was something to really be excited about. And another guy, Nikita Chibrikov, um, fantastic in the third game against Calgary. You're starting to see him dangle. And another thing, he's um, diminutive, but does not shy away from the, 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 you know, the hard areas in front of the goal. He doesn't stay away from contact. He was competitive in all three zones. So that, there's a guy that's going to be a big part of the Manitoba Moose this year, and it looks like he's already acclimating himself to North American hockey very quickly. By the way, his English is tremendous. I'm sure that, you saw the interviews. Stood out to, that's what stood yeah. out to me from the interviews. I mean, yeah. it is so rare you get a Russian coming over at that age um, yes. that can communicate that. And to be honest, Jamie, that is going to be massive for him because, I mean, when young people come over in positions you know, like a Chibrikov is – yeah, I mean, it's one thing to feel comfortable on the ice. That's probably the easy part as opposed to every other way of life fitting in within your team. And um, I was just amazed at how uh, how well he speaks English. And I think that's going to be huge for him as he sort of, you know, integrates himself into this organization and into this community. He, he's genuinely excited about being here, like flat out. And I think when he puts the effort in to learn English, which is clearly not an easy thing to do, coming from Russia for the first time, but he's, he's got it down pat. Like it's, he understands everything. He understands what you're asking. He, he understands what he's saying. So I think that's a great place to, for him to be in. And then on top of that, he feels he's had yesterday. His goal obviously is to make the national hockey league, but it also helps that the Winnipeg jets are just down the hallway in the exact same building as the Manitoba moose. And he says, that's a little extra incentive for him um, going into his first pro season in North America. So I think, you know, he, he has a great shot, scored a goal yesterday, a goal scorer's goal coming out from behind the net and roof daddied it. It was, it was pretty good shot. And he had a whole bunch of scoring chances before that. And again, not shying away from contact, 
threw the body around a little bit too. So I think there's some genuine excitement about Nikita Chibrikov heading into this, uh, well, of course, training camp. Not sure if we'll get a look at him in preseason hockey, but uh, we know he for sure is going to play with the Manitoba Moose this year. Um, Jamie Thomas joining us to uh, wrap the uh, Penticton tournament for uh, the Jets prospects heading into main camp. Um, two guys that I'm sure were uh, getting plenty of attention on the ice and uh, from you guys, former first rounders, Brad Lambert and Chaz yeah. Lucius. Um, how much do you find that they progressed from their first kick at this last year? Yeah, a lot. Um, both players played, played center at, at this tournament. Both players saw some time on the power play. You know, it was great to see Chaz Lucius looks that you're starting to see the skill that the Jets were looking at and where they drafted him in the first round. And, and like the important part is, is the guy is healthy. He's got a smile on his face. He's enjoying life. Um, you know, had a great second game. Uh, played ex- extensively with Chibrikov and Barlow. Uh, did uh, Chaz Lucius too. And, and Brad Lambert had a great tournament as well. Uh, Going to see him at center. Now, I don't know if we'll see him at center during the preseason at all for the Jets. That'll be another big question mark uh, or something to watch for uh, when you're putting together your, your lines that you think could be put together uh, throughout training camp. But uh, it, uh, I, I'm, with, I'm, with, I'm with you, buddy. It's just so hard to take everything so seriously when things are uh, will change so quickly, right? There's who knows how long the junior age players are going to be here. Who knows how long before the jet, you know, October 1st, I believe is when the moose start training camp. So like there's going to, it's going to, it's going to come fast. So don't get used to what you're seeing right now uh, in the next little bit here. Cause it's going to change real fast. Um, Jamie Thomas with this here. The other guy, I, um, I found myself and I mean, I didn't watch all of the games, but I was yeah. tuning in the one that I was particularly excited to see and continue to be to see how he does in training camp is on the blue line. And that was Elias Salmonson. Yeah. I uh, did score a goal, I believe from Chipperkov at one point. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what you saw from, from Elias who, um, you know, who many people think has the ability to play at a high level right now. The question of course, for the organization is what is the best path for him? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, developing because he still is a very, very young man, despite playing on a top team in the top league in Sweden. Right. And I think all you got to do is look at it. Like Salamonse looks really, really young when uh, you meet him face to face, but uh, a quiet kid, but you see everything they're talking about makes great decisions. He's good at moving the puck right away. Gets, gets himself out of trouble battles in front of the net with the, uh, the opposing forwards. So uh, he, he was paired with Simon Lundmark yesterday because Tyrell Bauer didn't play. Uh, in the final game against against Calgary, and I, I like that pairing. And like Simon Lundmark had, a, I thought a, a solid tournament as well. But for, uh, Salomonson scored a goal yesterday. Great shot from the point on the power play. Almost scored on the power play in the game against Edmonton on Friday. A Friday rang a puck off the post. So the the offensive side is there, but I think it's the decision making process that where he excels. And I think uh, he's in a good place heading into training camp. And, and he's a guy, you know. I feel like the roster is already committed to, unless something dramatic happens uh, in training camp. But I think Elias Salomonson can make a big name for himself uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've kind of touched on a bunch of the top prospects, and obviously they hit the goalies, Jamie. But um, yeah, give uh, our, our listeners and Jet fans maybe a, a player or two that you know we haven't talked a lot about that you thought acquitted themselves very well for what the opportunity was there for them. You know, Danny Zilkin. Um, played the majority of the year last year in, in the Ontario Hockey League. I thought he's a smart player, like really, really smart. 
Um, he played center a lot, um, had the shootout winning goal against uh, Vancouver on Sunday afternoon. Didn't play against Calgary yesterday, but I thought he quit himself very well and looks quite comfortable up the middle um, for the Winnipeg Jets uh, in this tournament. So he's one guy I thought Daniel Torgerson uh, played a lot better this year than he did last year. He's a big kid, like 6'3", 205. You can see why the Jets like him, right? He's got a good shot. He's always in front of the net. So I think he had a pretty good tournament as well. Um, last year, got off to a slow start for the Manitoba Moose, but had a great second half as well. And then I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Henry Nikonen. So, you know, great kid. Uh, also played a lot better this tournament. Uh, last year with the Manitoba Moose, the coaching staff really turned his game around by, you know, getting to kill penalties. And that's really become his forte, his strength. He's good at face-offs. So, um, you know, those, those three players uh, stood out to me. Uh, over the tournament uh, on top of the guys I've already talked about. Hey, you know what? I mean, T. Conopoli is in the chat, so he is the uh, yeah. the founding member and president of the Tyrell Bauer fan club. Uh, um, tell I us apologize. a little bit. Of, tell us about Bauer. Um, yeah. And, and again, he's a very different player. I mean, we're talking yeah. about these young, high draft picks, and how they project. Uh, listen, there's a lot of Bauer-type players in the National Hockey League right now. Mm -hmm. Path is maybe a little bit different. Big, strong. Um, you know, again, this is maybe a little different than the Moose days, you know, playing against those pros. Um, way bigger and stronger than probably a lot of the competition. Um, what did you see in Bauer? And, and just what do you make of his situation going into training camp with, I mean, a very, very busy, busy logjam on defense, but yeah. coming off a, a nice pro debut? I'll tell you this. Um, he didn't play yesterday either, but he – and it's sad that I forgot to mention him, but the, he's the first defenseman they throw out when they're killing penalties, when, you know, the, any type of scrum around the front of the net, anytime any got anywhere near Thomas Millich or Dominic DiVincentis, who's there? Tyrell Bauer, who was wearing a this weekend, Tyrell Bauer. So I think that speaks to how the organization feels about him. We know you, you notice from development camp, he looks more comfortable. He's comfortable in his own skin within the organization. He's an excellent talker. He's a born leader, in my opinion. He was captain with the Seattle Thunderbirds in the Western Hockey League. He's the leading – the guy that teams uh, – the, the, this, this young group has been looking at, you know, for leadership and guidance because he's got one pro year underneath his belt and because of his personality. He's a very welcoming guy uh, from Cochrane, Alberta. Some good people come from that town, I hear. So um, he, he, he was a great example, and his physicality is next level. Block shots, pays the price. Um, you know, little nicked up on the weekend. He looked at me and said, don't worry, I'll be ready for camp. So it's just, it, it's everything you would want. And I could see why he would be a fan favorite. And I was looking the other day because I, I saw quite a few of his fights in the American Hockey League last year. And they were online by the, the Manitoba Moose posted those. And I looked up his, his fight card on hockeyfights.com. And I think he only had eight fights in the Western Hockey League. So I think that says to me, people respect him enough. They're not going to drop the gloves with him because he's that strong. And tough, right? He just has that. He's missing a tooth. Like he's just, he's got a nice, he just smiles at you. I'm like, I would never mess with that guy ever. So that's, that's the attitude he has when he takes the ice. He's very competitive. So I think the, the Tyrell Bauer fan club is going to grow and grow over these next few years as a member of the organization. Yeah. Well, to use in a, uh, an Evander Kane quote, uh, both in training <laughs> camp and next year, uh, this upcoming yeah. season, likely with the Moose individuals will have the opportunity to F around and find yeah. out uh, yeah. from, uh, from uh, Bauer. Um, Jamie, huge week for the organization. Start a training camp. Saturday, Fan Fest, uh, the uh, launch of the uh, unveiling of a new jersey that we'll get a yeah. chance to see this year. 
Fill mm-hmm. us in on uh, what's your schedule like. And I mean, for crying out loud, people are going crazy for speculative training camp lines right now. Let us yeah. know what content you guys have coming because it certainly <laughs> seems there's quite a thirst around these parts for everything and all things Jets. Well, I, I don't know if you have looked on our social channels already, but there's a great interview with Colby Barlow and Danny Zilkin after the game against um, Vancouver on Sunday afternoon. It was a one-on-one interview. Colby Barlow interviewed Danny Zilkin and scored the, the shootout winner. That was fantastic. I got the not-so-long walks on the beach uh, with Tyrell Bauer and Chaz Lucius. We find out the the meaning or not where Chaz and Cruz got their names from. What was the genesis of those unique names from uh, the Lucius's? Um, his parents on that one. And then, of course, at FanFest, I usually get to interview Kevin Shoveldayoff off and a few of the Jets players. And uh, Sarah gets the fun job of unveiling the New Jersey. So clearly we know where I sit on the totem pole. You did this. Sarah gets the brand new Jersey. But I'll be on stage around 11 o'clock on, on Saturday morning. It, it's fun. It's, I mean, it's, it's fun for people who don't get to come to games uh, very often throughout the season. It's as close for a lot of people that get to the Jets players. They walk by the stage and on the ice for practice, but uh, a great event. And I always love the jousting off to the right of the stage all the time that's going on. I always think of Gary Lawless and Darren Millard on social media. Yes. <laughs> just pops up all the time. <laughs> Did you see that Lawless post with him with the can wig on? The can. <laughs> yeah, did we put that? He's so close. He's a body double for Ken. He's a body double for Ken. Flat out Gary Lawless. I'll, I'll say, listen, Gary famously said back on H&L, yeah. Uh, that he had asked his wife if he could possibly work out a deal where he could wear a wig just two or three times a year for special occasions <laughs> and whatnot. Did not, it was not passed. The The motion did not so. carry. That wig but, is terrifying. But he was completely, he was <laughs> sincere. Is. Here it is. There it is. And he texted me. He was so fired up that he was able to wear this wig for it. And by the way, the big you guy's know, looking good too. He's, uh, Looks uh, looks like he's been taking care of himself this summer, getting out a little bit. But yes, you have, only you lawless. Kids, you don't have kids, Huss? <laughs> you haven't seen um, uh, Despicable Me three and Grew, which is Steve Carell, his twin brother Drew. That's exactly. <laughs> look it up online. That's what lawless looks like when you get a chance. Grew and Drew, please. You'll see what I'm talking about. I know McIntyre's waiting, so I better get out of here. Hey, dude, um, yeah, get back. Yeah, you just want to get back to the waiver wires, what you want to be yeah. doing. There, there are claims I'm, to I'm, be put I'm in. Jerome Ford is going to be on my <laughs> roster here as soon as I get going. Um, hey, we'll see you down at the rink this week, and obviously yeah. for a huge day uh, at FanFest. Really looking forward to being a part of that. Have a great one, and thanks for jumping on with us today, JT. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Okay, right on. There is Jamie Thomas. Uh Lots of great content on the uh, Jet socials right now. And, uh, of course, it gets going for real. We'll hear from um, Chevy and Coach Bonus tomorrow. And then, of course, the uh, first official day of camp on Thursday. Um, But Mike's going to come up. We're going to hit all the big stories heading into training camp around your Winnipeg Jets. Um, But do want to give a big shout-out to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Um, you know that they're the fencing experts and they've been doing it all, both temporary and permanent all season long, um, but they're also the leaders in overhead garage doors. And your overhead garage door had a lot of ups and downs this summer. 
uh, working hard to get you to and from all that summer fun. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts way more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace and Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. And that, of course, is Wallace and Wallace. Um, shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, featuring great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too, with six locations and, of course, online at myvita.ca. Gearing up for back to school, keep your energy up with Health First B12 Supreme. B12 is involved in so many functions of our bodies, like metabolizing carbs, fats, and proteins, which are converted into energy. Health First B12 Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health. And don't forget, if you can't make it down to one of the six Vita Health stores, visit their website to buy online or pick up for local delivery. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Well, school's in session, training camp's beginning tomorrow. Well, we've, uh, it might be time to uh, check into the closet and see if you need to up your menswear game. And if you are in that situation, folks, there's only one place to go. Of course, that's F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And if you are having a wedding or involved in a wedding party, talk to Andrew, Alex, and their staff about a 15% discount for everybody in the wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F's at 190 Smith Street, downtown. Make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. A big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. This is blizzard weather today, folks. Good thing those summer blizzard flavors are still around. Pushing 28 degrees today. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm also talking about the best in ice cream treats at one of four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Northgate, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And speaking of Niverville, their new pita pit is now open. Healthy, delicious, fresh and fast pita pit. Available for you in Niverville. And of course, if you do want catering options from Pita Pit, hit them up on X at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, let's get ready for Jets training camp with Mike McIntyre. Mike, I, I guess we should just get right to the hockey and not talk about our big fantasy matchup on the weekend. Um, There's a valiant, valiant effort by your squad. It was a, it was a huge tilt. So I did something... I did something crazy uh, in an attempt to beat you, Huss, and it absolutely imploded on me. So after Sunday, I think it gave me about a 6% chance of beating you. And I only had one guy going yesterday, Amari Cooper, except all the reports were that Cooper was not going to play yesterday. So what did I do? I wasn't ready to concede the week to you. I actually dropped Amari Cooper, which was dumb. And I forget who I, I picked up a Pittsburgh receiver who did nothing. Allen Robertson. Allen Robertson. Yeah. Two catches, 12 yards. Meanwhile, Cooper played <laughs> and went for close to 100 yards. Now, I don't think, I haven't done the math. If I had just held on to Cooper, I think I would have still lost, but only by a but couple like a, points. By a point or two. Yeah. By a point or two, to be honest. Except now the end result is not only did I lose, I also put 
one of my best receivers on the waiver wire. I've, I hate, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm uh, revealing any, anything too crazy here and saying I've already made a reclaim for him, except I suspect that he's going to get scooped up before I can get my hands back on him. I'm trying to, I'm basically trying to undo the mistake that I made, but this was all in a panic because I didn't want to just give you the week. I wanted to go down swinging. Uh, and in the end, it was, I should have, I should have just kept Cooper because he ended up playing anyways and was better than the guy who, uh, who, who I, who I replaced him with. It's just catastrophic, but I did win. I, I beat Hodge in week one. So I'm one and one. I see, I think it's what you, Remus, and Taylor are the only undefeated squad so far here. Well, shout out to the Pittsburgh defense because that really helped me. I mean, the other guys I had last night didn't really do a heck of a lot. Jamal Williams got hurt, uh, but uh, 26 from the Pittsburgh D. Um, I actually actually have the Pittsburgh D in the other league I'm in, and they they ended up giving me a come-from-behind victory in that other league. So I can't complain too loudly. Um, and, and I certainly wasn't cheering against the Pittsburgh D because while they were hurting me against you, they were helping me in the other pool. <laughs> yeah, so that's just all, the that, nature of fantasy. Football. Always the case, always the case. Um, and we actually will talk about that and get into a little NFL talk with Andy Mack later on in the program. Um, Mike, well, you know, we just talked about this with Jamie Thomas. I know you were keeping uh, tabs on what was happening out in Penticton on the weekend. Yeah. Um, just before we kind of look into training camp, uh, any takeaways, any, uh, any stocks rising of uh, Jets prospects based on what you saw out in Penticton? Well, the reigning Ontario Hockey League goaltender of the year and the reigning Western Hockey League goaltender of the year, that's a pretty nice one-two punch for the Jets to have in the system. And it's even nicer to have Haas with all the uncertainties surrounding Connor Hellebuck. Now, I'm not saying... Dom DiVincitis or Thomas Milich is ready to step in and be a number one goalie in the NHL tomorrow or even a year from now. But the Jets have a couple of really intriguing goaltending prospects now in the system. Milich, we expect, is going to start his pro career this fall. Good chance he goes to Norfolk in the ECHL where he can get a number of starts kind of to get his feet wet. Um, Dom is probably going back to junior, we expect. But both those guys, especially the first two games, Haas, where the Jets were soundly outplayed through large stretches, uh, both those goaltenders were tremendous. And, you know, Milic held them in the game uh, on Sunday and ultimately was really the reason they came back to win. Um, I I really like what I saw from Elias uh, Salmonson. Kid looks really poised. Again, it's, you know, they're playing against other kids, so you don't want to put too much stock or read too much into it. Scored a nice goal yesterday, hit a post in game one, really moves the puck well. I mean, seems to just always be in the right place at the right time. I'm I'm really anxious now to see what he can do in the big camp and maybe if he gets in a preseason game or two. Um, and Nikita Chibrikov, who really stood out to me at the summer development camp, I really like what this kid has. He's not the biggest. I think he's 5'9". There's a lot of skill there. And the, he's actually a bit of a pest. He's a bit of a an agitator. Doesn't shy away from contact at all. Was often in the middle of things. But he's got all kinds of skill and speed. Um, I thought Sunday he was you know, probably the best non-goaltender 
for the Jets team on the ice. And Colby Barlow, you know, impressive, uh, scores a nice goal, seems to, you know, be in the right place at the right time as well. Um, so, yeah, there, there's some positive takeaways for sure. Uh, and no doubt, uh, you know, for some of these kids getting their first taste, a good experience for them as they now come into main camp later this week. Yeah, just quickly on Divinchantis. Um, you know, he, he, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Sabres top prospect, Devin Levi. Yeah. Seventh round pick, somewhat off the radar. Now, again, Levi was from, I believe, the Junior B in Ontario was, um, yeah. and then went to Northeastern, whereas Divincentis has basically, you know, just had two incredible years in North Bay. Um, but last year took it up even to a, a whole nother level. Um, and that's the crazy thing. And we can think back to Connor Hellebuck when he was picked and no one knew who the heck he was or where even the yeah. Odessa Jackalopes were. Yeah. Um, Unlike a lot of the other positions where you pretty much know what you're getting in a first or a second pick, there is a bit of wheel of fortune, if you will, when it comes to drafting goaltenders. And it seems like the uh, Winnipeg Jets, particularly with the Divincentis pick in the seventh round, um, have hit on a young man with a ton of potential. And, you know, we see Levi probably breaking into the NHL this year, played seven games at the end of last year. Yep. I mean, I think the plan would be if, if they're on similar paths, um, you know, another year a junior, a year with the Manitoba Moose, and then I think this young man is going to be very much in the mix for playing time with Winnipeg. I guess the biggest question around that is uh, how difficult would it be to get minutes in net because, of course, that is going to be a big story when we come in. Just to hell if I can Shifley because, I mean, there's so many other things I want to get to. How do you see Thursday going? when, you know, there's the first media availabilities. Um, and will this be something they will kind of try and speak about it once and then that is it and focus in on hockey? And how realistic will that be to actually achieve the goal of um, quieting the talk about um, everything going on around their situations as opposed to what's happening on the ice? Just to finish your thought on Divincentis, I, I expect he, he may very well be the Team Canada World Junior starter this year. That would seem to be a logical progression based on what he did last year and the the path that he's on. Uh, and you're right. I mean, looking just ahead to next year, Haas, probably a very good chance that Divincentis and Milic, that might be your one-two on the farm uh, for a season. Uh, you know, the two young stars goalies are probably going to be teammates as early as next year again. Um, as for Thursday, and yeah, I fully expect Shifley and Hellebuck will speak on day one. Um, uh, officially day one of camp when they have their media availabilities because I think if you're the Jets you don't want to kick this down the road any further and I don't suspect those guys do either they want to get this out of the way um Hellebuck did speak over the summer um I forget who did the interview with him where he was I, I expect we're going to hear something similar what he said in that interview which is is not a whole lot um Certainly not tipping his hand about his his future plans, um, but he's going to get asked about, you know, do, do you want to stay in Winnipeg long term? Both him and Mark Shifley, no doubt, will. Uh, it will be interesting to see if they tiptoe around that question or if they address it bluntly. Um, but to your bigger point, Huss, I, I do think that they'll get it out of the way, and then it'll kind of go into the background for the time being. Certainly. 
in this market. That's not to say we won't touch on it at times. I think where, though, it's going to get brought up repeatedly is when the Jets hit the road. Once the season begins, especially in big media markets, other Canadian cities, some U.S. centers, um, you know, when they go to places like Michigan, uh, the Jets are in Detroit early in the season. You, you think that's going to be a, a hot topic around, you know, the Michigan media, Connor Hellebuck's home state. So, you know, I, I suspect that this is something that is going to keep coming up until there's kind of some clarity. Right now, it's very cloudy. Uh, but I don't know that anyone should be holding their breath waiting for that clarity because, Certainly the message we got last week and even kind of hearing a little bit from Kevin Shoveldayoff at the Adam Lowry captain announcement, the message from Kevin Shoveldayoff, the message from some veteran players, we talked to Josh Morrissey and Brendan Dillon late last week, is they are hyper-focused on the present. They're not worried about the future. Um, they'll let that sort itself out. They're trying to get off to a great start this year. They're trying to win. They believe that they have a better chance of doing that with Hellebuck and Shifley. And everything else is white noise. Um, so, yeah, I think Hellebuck and Shifley, they kind of address the elephant in the room. They probably don't say anything all that revealing. And then it does kind of fade into the background for the time being. Uh, just on the Shifley situation, I mean, like, I, I you know, we've talked about this plenty, but um, not as much lately. I mean, I really think that the team was ready to to make a move in the offseason, but the market for Mark just wasn't there. Right. Um, if he does have a good start and maybe, you know, the, the market all of a sudden appears, um, if he's playing well, it makes it harder to, to trade him. I mean, sure. uh, short of an extension, which is not something that I'm expecting, um, what do you think is the most likely um, result of the uncertainty of Mark Shifley's future at some point. I mean, is it a trade or is it playing out his contract, you know, as a big part of this season this year? And, you know, instead of making a trade, utilizing that cap space somewhere else next season, but having a huge hole at center to fill. I do think if the Jets are in a playoff spot as we approach the trade deadline or, you know, whether it's comfortably in a playoff spot or in a fight for one, I, I just don't see this team based on everything we've heard Early on here, I just don't see kind of the white flag being waved in the form of trading your top center, especially if if Shifley's playing so well that there's a robust trade market. If he's playing that well, chances are it's helping the Jets as well. I mean, it is a bit of a catch-22. Yeah. And it's, again, it's it's what we were, we've been talking about for months. You know, this is potentially what's going to happen um, so if you're the Jets and Mark Shifley, let's just say to your scenario, Shifley's playing really well. The Jets are playing well. All of a sudden, a bunch of teams are inquiring about him, but you're, you're the Jets, you're in a good spot. So you don't want to move a guy, but then if Shifley's playing well and everyone's happy, I mean, does that then cause everyone to revisit the idea of an extension? Because maybe the grass is actually greener here and the devil you know is better than the one you don't um you know it looks based on the line you know the groupings that we can deduce that mark shifley's probably going to get a look here with kyle connor and gabe velarde starting 
Thursday based on, you know, who's with who and what group. Um, that has the potential to be a really neat line. Um, what if those guys start lighting it up early on? And Mark Shifley says, this is great. I love this line. I love my new teammate. I love how things are going in Winnipeg. What if Mark Shifley's busting his butt to, to play defense? And, you know, as he did at times early in the season, and Rick Bonus is, is heaping praise upon Shifley. And the Jets are winning and the vibes are great. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, I suppose. And it could cause everyone to maybe take another look at a situation that seemed pretty cut and dry. Maybe it isn't so cut and dry anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it is one of the. I, I really do truly believe that this is going to be determined by the Jets' performance in the first twenty-five games or thirty-five, thirty games of the season. The Thanksgiving, I think, yeah. I think we'll have a pretty good idea about where, and maybe more so than any other team. There's a lot that they need to figure out in the first twenty, twenty-five, thirty games right. of the season because of everything that comes with those massive potentially franchise-altering decisions on two of your most important players. Really, there are. And if you look around the NHL landscape, sure, every every team's got players that are entering the final year of their contract. There's not a team out there that has their number one center and their number one goaltender, you know, their leading goal scorer, their three-time Vesna nominee on expiring contracts. And there's a reason we talk about Shifley and Hellebuck so much and barely mention... Nino Niederreiter, Dylan DeMello, Brendan Dillon. Those guys are all pending UFAs as well, but they're not in the same category of drafted and developed homegrown talent that have been here from the start, the only franchise they've known, the pillars really that that the Jets have, have tried to build around. Um, so sure, I mean, you can talk about those guys too and decisions have to be made chances are they're not fetching the same return, nor is what you do or don't do with those guys going to have the same kind of short and potential long-term impact on this organization that the handling of Shifley and or Hellebuck is going to have. And you're right, it just creates a fascinating scenario that, um, you know, I'm sure Kevin Shoveldayoff and, and, you know, company have thought about different scenarios and, you know, what road they might go down if this were to happen. A bit of a choose-your-own-adventure, if you will. Um, <laughs> right now, though, the, the road seems pretty straight, and and the, everyone's just focused on the here and now. At least that's what everyone's saying publicly. <laughs> is, there, is there more panic and concern behind the scenes? Maybe. Um, but right now, everybody's just talking about what they have here right now, and there seems to be a lot of excitement about what they have here right now. And I think, Huss, there's good reason to be excited about what the Jets have in the here and now, um, especially when you're talking the forward group and what looks like a very, very deep forward group. Yeah, well, and one of those forwards with an expiring contract you just mentioned is Nito Niederreiter. You know, I was putting together the questions for the sports trivia last week at um, at Little Brown Jug, and I always try and do some questions relating to either tangently to to the team. You know that Nino Niederreiter has seven 20-goal seasons in the yeah. NHL? I mean, he basically shows up, and you can count on 20 goals from him right now. And of all of those players, he is the guy I do wonder 
if the Winnipeg Jets will make a concerted effort and successfully get his name on an extension. I mean, he seems to have been such a great fit um, for where they want to go as far as a culture of the team. Certainly has been a productive player, can do it in a bunch of different roles, and at the end of the day has been a guy that has really sort of embraced this opportunity with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I think if we had to do cool bet lines and making odds, he would be the most likely guy to have an extension. And listen, I think they think very highly of both DeMello and Dylan. It is a little different, though, with their age. Um, and obviously with the situation on the blue line being right. as packed as it is, I'm not sure whether they would go and make a commitment like that to either one of those guys sooner or later. But are you sort of with me that the most – if we're going to hear about someone extending a contract some point soon – Nino Niederreiter is the most likely one. Oh, agreed. And Hassa, I couple think thoughts about Nino Niederreiter. I mean, I was there, and I think we were in Carolina. Uh, that was the game where Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Nino Niederreiter, who were playing together as a line, when they got benched for the last half of the second period, and then after the game, uh, we requested to speak to Shifley. We were told no. Requested to speak to Kyle Connor. We were told no. Mark Shifley literally walked by us. It was a in joke. The, in the bowels of the arena, saw that we were kind of waiting around for him and just kept going. Who came out to talk? Nino Niederreiter, who had been with the Jets for all of about two weeks, said everything you would want, said everything that Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor should have come out and said, especially Mark Shifley. He wears a letter. Nino Niederreiter didn't wear a letter. Kyle Connor didn't wear a letter. Mark Shifley was one of the three alternates on the team. Nino Niederreiter came out, handled it with absolute perfection. And I know for a fact, Huss, the way Nino Niederreiter handled himself, there were people in the organization that took notice of that in a very good way. And a lot of people who sort of said, there's the example. Um, you know, to the point that I even threw Nino Niederreiter's name when we were talking about potentially another alternate if if Mark Shifley were to be moved and who steps in again his contract status may ultimately tell that story but he's a guy that has serious leadership qualities on the ice off the ice I had a great chat with him this summer uh, over the phone he was back in uh, in in his native Switzerland and you know he he comes across as extremely humble and grateful uh, we talked about his contract status Huss and he said he has to come to Winnipeg this year and earn another contract. This is a guy who, as you say, seven twenty goal seasons, he'd have every right to kind of rest on his laurels a little bit that, Hey, I'm a, I'm an established NHLer. Um, you know, make me an offer. He's got the complete opposite mindset. He said, I got to come in and prove that I'm worth offering a, a, a new contract too. That's a great attitude to have. Again, if we were going on the groupings, I think there's a good chance Nino Niederreiter is going to start on the second line, at least in camp, perhaps with Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti. And again, that has the potential to, you know, really be a productive trio. And I, I agree. I think they love what Nino Niederreiter brought after the trade deadline. They love what he's all about. And they're trying to build up a culture here that starts with Adam Lowry as the captain. I think Nino Niederreiter fits that culture to a T. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think that was very evident very early, as you just mentioned. And um, he continues to be a guy that I think, you know, is deserving of 
you know, that spot, that opportunity. But, you know, also I think, you know, the fit is there. Yeah. Um, and you can't have all these guys go to free agency. So, <laughs> um, and he's not the guy that I think that they'd be looking at flipping again. I mean, I do really think that he has just impressed so many people both on and off the ice that that is a guy that uh, we'll see. Well, you mentioned the lines, and I was giving Remus brain damage at the end of yesterday's show, speculating training camp lines, but uh, you've gotten into it as well. Remus has done a great graphic uh, for it. Um, when you saw the groups, I mean, what were your takeaways from the way that this is split? Different than the Maurice era, it was always sort of like the team yeah. was there. And then if one guy came in out of camp or out of shape or whatever, he was, oh, all of a sudden he's shown up in the B group, and that was a big message to it. Uh, far more split um, with the Solani and Newmanen um, groups this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say I told you so to people, but I have long believed that Cole Perfetti was going to get the first crack at that second-line center spot. And based on the way these these groupings are, with Perfetti and Velarde being in different groups and Velarde being in the Shifley group, I think we can safely assume that Gabe Velarde is not with Mark Shifley to play center with Mark Shifley being on his wing. Gabe Velarde would likely slot in as the winger with how that group is is uh, um, slotted. And that would open the door for Cole Perfetti, certainly, to be a guy that gets a look. Now, to be clear, these Newman and Solani groups, if you look at the at the schedule for camp, after about, I don't know, four or five days, Newman and Solani disappears because there's going to be some cuts. There's probably going to be shuffling. And it isn't that long, Haas, into camp before they, they're actually down to one group. So, again, nothing is is in permanent ink here. This is very much in pencil and keep the eraser handy. But I do think... It that was my first takeaway is oh it is Cole Perfetti who's going to get that first crack, but a pretty nice consolation prize if you're Gabe Velarde. Like I don't think and and I talked to him a couple of weeks ago when he arrived in Winnipeg. Certainly he said he would love to play center, but he also enjoys playing wing. And I don't think at this point, um, you know they if this is how it is, Huss, he's playing with the guy that scored 42 last year in Mark Shifley. And a guy that almost touched 50 a couple years ago in Kyle Connor. Like, that's a pretty nice way to break in with your new club, if that's indeed where he is. Um, you know, I think the rest of the group, we knew that the third line might look a little different. And Morgan Barron, for example, there's a good chance he gets pushed down to the fourth line. There are different ways the Jets could potentially go. I I, I know Rick Bonus likes the Lowry-Appleton pairing, even though a lot of people question whether Mason Appleton, maybe he should be down on the fourth line. And look, Vlad Nemestikov might work his way up to that line with Lowry and Ayafalo. And Ayafalo and Niederreiter, maybe they switch spots at some point. And, and it's Ayafalo up there on the second line and Niederreiter with Lowry and Appleton or Nemestikov on the third line. Let me, I let think Rasmus Kupari was probably going to get a look at that fourth line center spot. Not the greatest news for the Gus bus necessarily, who may be in some difficulty. And, you know, you look, Haas, like I'm of the belief that there's a good chance the Jets are going to carry eight defensemen out of camp this year. And a big reason of that is because they have so many guys on one ways. Um, you know, all of Stanley, Chisholm, Capo Bianco, those guys would all need waivers. 
I believe personally that it's Stanley and Chisholm as 7-8 and Capo Bianco perhaps gets exposed to waivers. And again, this is assuming everybody's healthy and there's no trades. But if that's the case, Haas, they can only carry 13 forwards, not 14. And there's a lot of guys that are potentially going to get exposed to waivers and or sent to the moose. Guys like Gustafson, Harkins, Janssen Fialbi, Jeffrey Veal, who they signed this summer to provide perhaps uh, some toughness. Um, you know, there's a number of guys that Dominic Toninato, um, who there's there just doesn't seem to be room necessarily because of how deep they are at forward. And so to me, one of the big battles in training camp is going to be kind of for that 13th forward job. I know it's not the sexiest of battles, but there's a lot of good players with NHL games on their resume who there's just not going to be any room for them on this Jets roster on opening night. Yeah, um, and you know what? I mean, Harkins had that monster season with the Moose when he was down there. I'm not sure where he kind Does of he fits. passed through waivers if they if they put mm-hmm. him on waivers this year. He did last year, um, but then he went down and did all the right things at the AHL level. I, I'm not so sure about that, Huss. I mean, the reality is the Jets may be deep to the point that they they may lose a couple guys on waivers, assuming again that they're healthy and no trades are made. That just might be the way it goes because of the depth that they have right now. No, it is a uh, it is certainly a fair point, Mike. Um, <clears throat> but one thing I'll say about those lines: um, if you put Velarde with Shifley and Connor, like he is kind of a trigger man himself. I mean, he had yes. twenty three goals and eighteen assists last year. I mean, this is a guy that shoots the puck quite a bit. And listen, I know Mark had. I mean, it was sort of an aberration based on his career, the 42-goal season, a career high. Everything was going in earlier on in the season. And Kyle Connor went down a little bit. But, I mean, listen, Rick Bonus has been to this well before. I mean, there's good and there's bad of putting Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley together. And, I I mean, to be honest, I know Ayafalo plays on the left side. I mean, I'd speculate at one point. I mean, maybe they look at a guy like that who has proven to be you know, a really effective defensive forward and right. a good guy in that middle. Because as much as Villardi brings a lot to the table and you go, wow, there's three really good players on that line. I mean, we saw what happened last year. I mean, I think the goal for Rick Bonus is if, the, like, put it this way, if he's moving Shifley back to center and he's going to be that number one guy and he's playing with Kyle Connor, they need to find a way to not have as big a negative impact in their own end for all the great things that happen in the other team zone. For sure. And, you know, that's where Huss, I, I do wonder if at some point Rick Bonus goes completely off the books here a little bit. And let's say you take those four lines as we have them on the screen here right now, but really mix them up and basically create a one A, B, C, and D. And you could do that with this group. Wait so, a second. Are we are we shaking up the speculative training camp lines right now, Mike? <laughs> so for example, what if you put Mason Appleton with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor? For the very reason that you just talked about, right? Or Vlad Nemestikov with those guys. Um, and basically put like two elite offensive guys together, and then a bit more of a glue guy. We've seen it have success, whether it's 
you know, Michael Bunting or Zach Hyman. And I'm not saying that the Jets have a Bunting or a Hyman, but more of the grittier kind of role type player that meshes really well with the high. I go back to the, the Sedin twin days and Alex Burroughs and all the chemistry he found playing with the Sedin twins. I'm not saying Rick Bonas does it, but there's the potential if he wanted to, to create four extremely balanced lines that you're basically, you don't even care about matchups at that point. It's just whoever the next line is, is, is up They're out there. And at the end of the night, ideally every line would play about 25% of the four of the five on five minutes. Specialty teams would tick up your more skilled guys. Um, that would be an option that, you know, I don't think the Jets have necessarily had in years past. I think with the group of 12 that we think probably breaks camp as the top 12, there is the ability to do that if he really wanted to. Um, what about Shifley with Velarde and Ayafalo? Yeah, I mean, basically put him, uh, put him between the Kings. Uh, yeah. And Velarde and Ayafalo... I suspect would have some chemistry together. I know they played together in the past. Um, I don't know if they played a ton together, but uh, yeah, I mean, that would be one way to do it for sure. Then do you go back? Do you have Connor and Ehlers together? Connor and Ehlers broke camp last year with Mark Shifley. Would you put Connor and Ehlers with Cole Perfetti? Huss. I mean, is that, is that asking a lot again of Cole Perfetti um, well, guess what? If he's going to play second line center in the National Hockey League, right. a lot is going to be asked of him. So at a certain point, you got to either sink or swim from where I'm coming at because there's other guys that can do the job if he can't. Well, and, and again, so that's where I get into what if they, <clears throat> if you wanted to br- make balanced lines, what about Lowry between Connor and Ehlers? Just as a, a thought, we know Rick Bonus played Nikolai Ehlers and Adam Lowry together at, at points last year. And, and then you've got, say, Perfetti with. Um, Nita Ryder and Appleton or something like that, or Nemestikov. Again, there, there's just infinite possibilities. I saw somebody tweeted the other day that that they, they said you could almost draw, take these 12 forwards, you could almost just draw names out of a hat and that they would be pretty comfortable with what the Jets forward group. And their point was they're still they still have lots of concerns about the blue line. But I think the point was that the Jets forward group right now is a really interesting mix. And again, we're not even talking about guys like Harkins and Toninato and AJF and Gossison and Reichel who all played NHL game and, and Lucius and Lambert and whether they could force their way into the mix. I, I just think the Jets, you know, have a, a wealth of options right now at, at the forward position and how Rick bonus wants to play. This is certainly going to be a, a very interesting part of training camp that we'll see uh, how it shakes out. Yes, well, we'll see whether these speculative training camp lines change again tomorrow and then on Thursday, and then we'll actually have something to go for. And I'm already getting, speaking of lines, betting lines on who will be the first media member to tweet out the lines. The race, the race will be on um, with your new colleague, Ken Wee, yourself, Murat, um, and we yeah, and we will be following right. it here. We are going to be following it here. I know Michael Remus, aka Click Bonus, is going to be all over that. 
seeing who uh, who is the that's that's from issue boy bruce because of course he knows that just talking about lines is like you know putting a stake in front of uh for a dog by the way as we're doing this we're pushing our biggest number all day long on the live stream right now. <laughs> Hashtag Remo was right. Uh, hit the thumbs up button and uh, definitely hit the subscribe button, folks. So lots of momentum getting close to 10,000 subscribers, hopefully by the time the puck drops on the season. Mike, uh, before we go, outside of our our line speculation uh, and certainly Shifley and Hellebuck status at the top of that list... Uh, what are some of the other storylines that um, you and the Free Press team are going to be really focusing in on right out of the gate with these first couple days heading into FanFest? Yeah, Kenny and I uh, were putting our collective heads together today and actually have a uh, comprehensive training camp preview, which will be online later today and in tomorrow's print edition. And there are a number of storylines for sure. I mean, I, I think us. Cole Perfetti is fascinating to me because this is a guy who, you know, first round draft pick, he's had three significant injuries and his first two seasons prematurely. He changed his training. He's going to get a golden opportunity. And if Cole Perfetti can stay mobile for 82 games or very close to it and can be the player that I think a lot of people think he can be, um, that alone will be a, a massive boost to the Winnipeg Jets. And so Cole Perfetti is certainly a player that I'll be keeping a, a really close eye on. Um, you know, I think Declan Chisholm, again, for reasons that this is a guy who seemingly has kind of proven himself in the AHL, probably doesn't deserve to be in that league anymore. And yet, where is there a spot for him right now? We know Rick Bonus, he, he healthy scratched Nate Schmidt for a game last year. That's a, that was a pretty expensive press box assignment given the ticket that Schmidt carries. Um, if Declan Chisholm can come and have a, a splendid training camp, does that force Winnipeg's hand to do something that, you know, does Kevin Sheveldayoff have a trade or two in his back pocket that he's going to wait and see how things shake out here to alleviate what certainly on paper, Huss, and I think on the ice too, looks to be a log jam on the blue line. And I just don't know how this sorts itself out, other than to say if the Jets, after losing Johnny Kovacevic for nothing on waivers last year, if the Jets were to lose a Declan Chisholm this time around, I think the, the fans, and they would have every right to be very angry with some of the asset management going on. I don't think the Jets can afford to lose drafted and developed players like that that they've invested in and so to me the blue line log jam is a major storyline um and i i don't know the answer to how it's going to sort itself out um but that's what we're going to find out here over the it's next an issue I, listen i think everything that was made about the kova savage situation was way overblown last year i mean listen there's a reason why the waiver system exists and it, is, it exists for guys that are you know 10th in a depth chart on a team right. that might have a chance to play on a, on a worse team. Um, and yeah, listen, obviously if you know, you're going to put this guy up and you can trade them, you do it. But I mean, 
those players, they are by definition replacement level players. Um, and there's often not a market. However, it would be an absolute shame with what Chisholm's shown so far to lose that player without really getting a chance to see what he can do at the NHL level. So I do agree with it. I agree with you on that. One more for you, Mike. Of course, last week, the big announcement was Adam Lowry's the new captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and, you know, he, Josh Morrissey, and for now Mark Scheifele are kind of part of that leadership group. But um, it seems like there's a lot of other guys that are, you know, sort of going to be a big, a big part of that as well. But this offseason, the Jets paid a lot of money to tell a guy that had been here since day one of 2.0 and just scored 55 points last year that this team would be better off right. without him at a big cost. Um, now that the captaincy has been announced and training camp is beginning, what do you think organizationally they are hoping the results of the Wheeler buyout to be in that dressing room and on the ice? Well, I think they hope that this team in a lot of ways follows the lead of Adam Lowry in terms of um, how he conducts himself off the ice, how he prepares himself for games, um, how he deals with teammates, how he deals with the media. Um, certainly there was no questioning Blake Wheeler's on-ice work ethic. Um, you know, this is a guy who played through all kinds of injuries. But certainly Blake Wheeler, and I think especially in, in the later years, left a lot to be desired when it came to maybe some of his interactions with young players, some of his interactions with teammates, and certainly his interactions with the media. Um, and I think Adam Lowry, this was designed to be a real turning of the page, you know, out with the old, in with the new. And the idea of, of really creating a new culture here, they talked a lot about a new culture last year with Blake Wheeler in the room it wasn't realistically going to happen. Um, now he's gone. And I think that page has been turned. And I think Adam Lowry, look, Josh Morrissey would have been a great choice for the very same reasons. I would have been saying the very same things about Josh Morrissey. The fact is Morrissey or Lowry, both those guys um, have what it takes to, I think, lead this team for the next few years. And so I, I think that, it was more than just symbolic putting the C on Lowry's chest last week. It really was a tangible moment for this organization, an important moment. And I fully expect knowing everything we do about Adam Lowry that, you know, he's going to drag his teammates into the battle and it's easy to do all the things right. When things are going well, it's when they aren't going so well, how you handle adversity. And I think Adam Lowry has the, the metal has the makeup be the perfect guy to kind of weather that storm whether it's an individual struggle or a team-wide struggle uh, he's got the makeup to do it and I think the Jets are in really good hands with Adam Lowry let me just one more on that one what do you think the effect of not having Blake around anymore will be on Mark Shifley well and that's that's the unanswered question that I think until we actually see it in action it's hard to say but I I really do wonder and this goes back to even when I've speculated about the potential to revisit an extension. Do we get a completely new Mark Shifley? Is he a, is he a changed man? Is he a, a new individual? For a lot, not just that, but as you say, Huss, maybe the realization that that a robust trade market didn't develop the way he thought it would. That maybe things are better, you know, the grass is greener here than it is elsewhere. 
Um, I just really wonder if if there's been a bit of an awakening or an enlightenment for Mark Shifley and not having the guy that he was kind of attached to at the hip and Blake Wheeler around. Does that open things up for Mark Shifley to be more like himself, be more of himself? Um, I, I don't know, but it I think it certainly creates the potential for that. Um, and it will be interesting to see what that actually looks like in kind of real time. Yeah, I, I, to me, that is, and, and I know BA is probably in chat going, that's the path to me owing him 40 bucks instead of just the 20 for the trade that didn't happen so far this season. <laughs> um, but it, it, I mean, listen, for a whole bunch of reasons, um, all eyes are going to be on 55, both when he speaks tomorrow, or, or I guess probably on Thursday. The other guy that we're going to hear from is Bones. And just uh, before you go, uh, Mike, um, we all remember how the season ended. Um, and from the sounds of it, there have been plenty of conversations, as Bones is known to do with the players right. throughout the offseason. But um, do you think that even gets touched on? Um, the uh, you know Whether there was even a need to mend any fences or these are just a bunch of competitive guys that you know were all ticked off with the way the season ended. And uh, hopefully that'll be a bit of a... Uh, a, a fire starter, if you will, for the collective group. Um, but, I mean, as far as the messaging from the coach, um, will that even be touched on, do you think? Well, I think it will be touched on for sure, and I suspect we'll hear that Rick Bonus, we know he's a guy who has a lot of contact with his players over the summer. I mean, just talking with uh, um, Josh Morrissey and Brendan Dillon last week, sounds like those guys were in contact a lot. Adam Lowry talked about you know, the number of times he talked to, to Rick Bonus over the summer. I suspect Rick Bonus had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about a lot of things. So I think it will get touched on. I think we'll hear about it being water under the bridge and maybe in a way a bit of a reminder to, P to players about where they've been and where they kind of don't want to go back to. Nobody wants to see that kind of rear its ugly head again. Um you know, I, I think that's another storyline of camp here, Huss. Don't forget, a year ago, Rick Bonas didn't really know any of these players. Majority of the coaching staff didn't know any of these players. Training camp was all about getting to know each other, about teaching, and there was a ton of teaching to do. I think this year, a lot of that now, they don't have to worry about that. Most of these guys, coaches, players, they know each other very well. Um, it's going to be more about tweaking and tinkering what kind of new systems might the Jets look to implement? At the end of the day, the way they were last year wasn't good enough to get where they want to go. Or what kind of tweaks might we see this year? But I think there will be a sense of calm projected from the coach. And for good reason. A year ago was a pretty hectic time. They just new coaching staff, Blake Wheeler stripped of the captaincy. And it's funny we talk about calm when we still have no resolution to the Shifley or Hullabuck <laughs> situations. That alone might suggest chaos. But I do think that we're going to hear and, and the, the projection will be one of calm and a real kind of laser focus on starting this season off the right way. And everything else will take care of itself in, in due time. Uh, Mike, before we go, uh, what do you and the uh, newly expanded Free Press Reckon crew have uh, getting ready for uh, Thursday and the rest of training camp? Well, yes. Yeah, so Kenny and I have our uh, our massive uh, training camp preview uh, coming up, and we've got everything from players to watch and storylines and questions and 
job openings. We give our projected opening night roster predictions. Um, So all that will be in tomorrow's paper. And then tomorrow, Kenny and I will both be, of course, tag teaming the Shovel Day Off and bonus uh, news conferences. So uh, we'll both be filing pieces out of that. And then, yeah, starting Thursday, uh, two sessions a day, tons of storylines and angles to cover. Uh, Really looking forward to, um, you know, what should be a a very interesting jet season. Never a dull moment, that's for sure. And we'll be covering it uh, you know, home and away. Kenny and I are splitting up the road trips this year. So he's actually doing the uh, the home opener or the, the road opener, the season opener in, in Calgary. Um, but yeah, we'll have you covered kind of nonstop uh, day in, day out, home and away. Wow, I'm going to be there too. I'm going to get to see the historic first game, not of Velarde, not of Ayafalo. <laughs> of Ken Weeb with the Winnipeg Free Press. I believe there will be, get there early, because I believe there will be a ceremony prior to puck drop. (laughs) I might conduct that ceremony. We'll see. Mike, thanks for doing this, buddy. All the best. We'll see you at the rink. You bet. Take care. Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. We're going to get to a little NFL talk, but keep that the the chat going, everyone. Uh, It's a fun time of year. Lots, uh, Lots to discuss with everyone in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. Hey, um, big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. Big things coming for Princess Auto into the uh, the next few months. Uh, but right now, 24-7, 365, you're going to find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them on Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365, at princessauto.com, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, you know, it feels like summer right now, well, with the exception of maybe the color of the leaves. Um, But Consolidated Supply still has a lot going on right now as we prepare for winter. Irrigation systems, not to mention artificial turf, both indoor and outdoor, and amazing vehicles, golf carts, and more as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. But Consolidated Supply has some other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. So much Consolidated Supply and their great team can do for you. Pop by and see them at their showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca a big shout out to our friends at royal sports massive tent sale on the weekend uh dallas and a lot of folks in the wst chat were down there getting some amazing deals good thing for uh, our friends at royals that listen i know the tent sales just passed but there are still amazing deals heading into the upcoming season thousands of pieces of jets merchandise tons of bomber gear All 32 teams in the NFL represented, and of course, the biggest and best hockey selection in town for over 40 years. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Another great night last night at Boston Pizza for Monday Night Football. A little double dip. We're going to get into that with Andy Mack coming up right away. Huge Jays game tonight against the New York Yankees. Nowhere better to get together with the gang to watch the big game than uh, than Boston Pizza. Thursday night, it's going to be Giants at Niners. And, of course, you can uh, pop down, enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. 
And if you're staying home to watch the game, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's welcome in Andy McNamara, who's usually full of energy. This may be a bit of a somber Andy Mac today after what transpired on uh, Monday Night Football to his beloved Cleveland Browns. Andy, great to have you back on the program. How are you doing today? This can't be... This can, I'm sure you woke up still still hurting from uh, the events of last night. As the Mad Men GIF meme video says, not great, Bob. Not great. Not great. Not great at all. No, feeling pretty pretty crummy, pretty crappy. Uh, game started with a, a tipped pick six. Why are you throwing it to Harrison Bryant twice? I don't know. And then, of course, Mick, Nick Chubb's leg, that grotesque bend. Um, and he's gone for the year. And yeah, and then you lose to garbage Kenny Pickett. Huss, he sucks. Straight up. He is average at best. I can find you a Kenny Pickett every year in the draft in the fourth round. Every year. The guy's got nothing special about him. Yet, the Browns beat themselves in typical Browns fashion in Pittsburgh. I'm heading down to Cleveland this Thursday for the Titans game. I was expecting to come in on a, a road of of rose petals. <laughs> I'm just pissed off. Uh, hard to believe they have not been 2-0 and since 93 when Bill Belichick was the coach. They showed that one last night. Yep. Um Listen, we'll get to the, the the game and, you know, the landscape of the NFL in a minute. But on a serious note, you mentioned Nick Chubb's uh, injury. That was grotesque. I mean, he is such a horse. I know there'll be people like, oh, I had him on my fantasy team. I'm one of those folks. Um, but, man, from a human side, that's a devastating injury. And, Andy, it speaks to the conundrum right now that the league, the Players Association have with the running back position in the danger that these guys put themselves in front of every single time they get the football. And the fact that, you know, in a league that has so much money pouring into it is not valuing um, top end running backs like Nick Chubb. Now he got his contract. He'll be, I mean, I would imagine somewhat taken care of. Right. But when we talk about the JK Dobbins, Jacobs. Sure. I mean, there's so many guys. And I mean, last night is a perfect reminder why maybe a little more fair um, compensation package needs to be put together for running backs or, or potentially change the way the running back position, frankly, is remunerated. There more guaranteed money, something. Because really, Huss, if you think of it, you're, you're getting into a, it's been described, you're getting into a car crash every time you slam into that line. And on the other side, linebackers. You are slamming into a wall of mass humanity every time. And so it's a, it's a great risk. It's a huge risk. And the, the other frustrating, like Nick Chubb is such, like he is as old school as it gets. When you talk about professional, class, straightforward, just the consummate pro, that's Nick Chubb. And that happens to him and just uh, super unfortunate. So it's tough. I'll tell you this, Jerome Ford is going to be the hottest waiver wire ad on uh, on fantasy leagues this week, nineteen percent ownership. So, what's the sto- what's the claim. story on that guy? I wasn't familiar with him at all before we saw him rip off some pretty nice runs last night. Yeah, so Jerome Ford was this is his second year. He returned a few kicks last year. The Browns drafted him with the sense that at some point he would either be a one B or take over from Nick Chubb. So Stump Mitchell, the Browns running back coach, has talked glowingly about him since he was a rookie. Say this guy is he has. You know, bell cow written all over him, like starting running back written all over him. And we'll build him slowly from there. Had a bit of an ankle injury in camp. So a bit of a slow start, but he picked up pretty well. You know, looked good, ran off some nice runs. But this goes to a case where 
Um, there are so few true star running backs like Nick Chubb. And I think Jerome Ford's going to be good. But anyone who thinks as well, the Browns are going to go get Jonathan Taylor, Kareem Hunt, they're not because they view Jerome Ford at the, uh, Ford at the height that they think he can be a starter. Um, Pittsburgh defense is pretty damn good, though. Man, I mean, game wreckers on do? that. And, yeah. you know, I pretty much did give Micah Parsons the DPOY after Sunday's game. I have revoked it. Uh, TJ Watt very much in the mix for it as well. Yeah. Um, but and but in that from a Brown standpoint, I mean, I think that's what's got to be really frustrating is that it was the Pittsburgh defense that won that game for them. And that was a very winnable game for the Cleveland Browns, yes. despite the way they started with the pick six, nine seconds in. Plus, picture this. The Browns defense gave up 12 points. The Browns offense gave up 14. Like, <laughs> that's... What else do you want through two games? The Browns defense has given up a total of 15 points to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mm. And you have Deshaun Watson, who just looks absolutely frazzled and cracks at any form of pressure. So the excuses are done. Like I said, I'm going to be in Cleveland. So I'm going to boo his ass out of the building. He's not going to go anywhere because his money's all guaranteed. But I'll, I'll boo. You put up that effort. What are the excuses? You had six games last year. The offense was rebuilt for you. We're two games in. Come on. This is the now league. Let's go. Enough of this nonsense. You got to step up. Be the man. I love the fact that you're two games into this season where he missed 11 last year and we're already out on Deshaun. But but hustling. Who's their backup? Who's the Cleveland backup? Dorian Thompson Robinson, who looked good in preseason. He's a fifth round rookie, so. Let me guess. You're just missing your old boy Baker right now, who's so 2-0 and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, I'm so missing Baker. show. I'm like, B- Deshaun Watson, I, I was sending out a text. Deshaun Watson had a ball batted down. I was like, I could have had batted down balls with Baker. I don't need Deshaun throwing batted down balls. I got, get, yeah, Baker's 2-0. and He's feeling it. He's a wild man. It'll fall apart, I'm sure. But I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does. I hope he does well with Tampa. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about winless AFC teams here, Andy. Uh, I'm sure you love the sounds of the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. Sure do. Uh, we can all get behind the 0-2 New England 0-2 New England Patriots. Yeah. Uh, we don't really need to talk about the Texans. Uh, and then there are the Los Angeles Chargers at 0-2. First team ever to score 50 points and have no turnovers in their first two games and be 0-2. But the Chargers just wow. keep on rewriting new ways to lose. And, of course... The Denver Broncos, who lost at home to the Raiders and the now undefeated Washington Commanders. Which team should the panic meter be most um, be most hardlined? Chargers. Chargers. Like, I think, you know, we all thought the Broncos under Sean Payton. It's like, it makes sense that they would get better. But, you know, am I surprised at 0-2? Eh, maybe mildly. But the Chargers... This was, okay, new OC, new, you know, this is the year, da-da-da-da-da. And they're 0-2. Like, there is a problem here. You have the talent. You have the pieces. What's missing? Is it play calling? Is it head coach? Like, it has to be something in the coaching realm. Oh, you mean the defensive genius, Brandon Staley? (laughs) Wow. How's that guy working? How? How? Like, the guy keeps botching games. It's, it's, It's bananas. So, that's the shocker to me because really when you looked at the Chargers, it was, all right, you know, Raiders, no. It was like, this will come down to the Chiefs and Chargers. And through two weeks, Chargers keep finding ways to lose. And that's what they seem to continually do, get in their own way. 
Um, I, I got to say, I, I would be pretty nervous if I was a uh, with the Bengals right now. And I know Winnipeg Walter's probably in there. We can get his take on it. I mean, two losses in the division, mm-hmm. including a home loss to the Ravens, which certainly is tough when we're talking tiebreakers later on, if that is the case. But maybe the biggest concern I'm not sure Joe Burrow ever really gets healthy this year, Andy. I mean, unless they shut him down for a while, he was nicked up. You could see that calf was still bothering him. And I mean, Joe Burrow, as great of a pocket passer he is, he does have the ability to move around, to run. I mean, if he's not able to do that, that really does take away part of the thing that makes him one of the great QBs in the National Football League. Yeah, it takes away that that little bit of elusiveness. And there's different types of elusive. There's the sprint out run like a Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson. And there's that more more subtle, right? You can evade, you can escape, you can run if you need to. And also, Hasna, neither of us are uh, uh, medical uh, physicians here. However, I think we can both agree the calf planting, pushing to throw, kind of important, never mind the run. And that's something else that's missing. And it's in his head. Even in the first week in the Browns game, he slipped on the wet field a little bit in warm-up. He was looking at it. And you could tell it keeps getting work on. It's not right. And when you, like the Bengals started 0-2 last year, and they recovered and were fine. But that was Joe Burrow coming off an apodectomy. He was gaining weight back and, you know, totally not, not a football injury. And so now we look at them, like you said, a couple division losses. Who's their backup? If people are like, sit Joe Burrow. Well, you got Jake Browning. I'll be honest, Hus. I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> I assume he's not very good. Okay, I assume it's not going to go too well if you got Jake Browning popping in. So for Joe Burrow, it's that thing of okay, is sitting for a game or two going to fix the path? Is that going to fix it, and you're good to, good to go, or is it going to be something that's lingering no matter what? And that's really what the Bengals have to balance out because that's the AFC North favorite right there. And 0-2, oh, okay, you've recovered before. You get further behind than that, that's that's not looking good. Well, I got Monday Night Football against the Rams, who've actually looked pretty good so far this season. Very, can we very talk about interesting the Rams? matchup. Well, can we, ta- can we like- talk? Well, actually, I don't want to ever talk about the Rams again after Sean McVay kicked that field goal with no time oh. left just to cover the spread and right. go from 10. Dude, the line was 7.5 or 8 points. They're down 10. Yep. Final play of the game. He rolls out the field goal kicking team, and they lose by seven. Like, I, I can't remember. That's super shady. In any case ever. No, I mean, I guess supporting their own fans, there's a lot of people that probably cover them and probably help them out. But my God, I mean, I, oh, I needless to say, crazy. we've been discussing that quite a bit on the lock shop for the last couple of days. Boy, like, that's dicey. When you talk to betting and everything needing to be above board, like, who knows the reasoning? I'm sure he has a reason for it. I don't know if he's explained it, but. Um, yeah, he probably picked his team to cover yeah but but like <laughs> you can't that, right like that's that's nuts that's nuts but what what I, what I wanted to talk about is this offense for the rams is so bizarre and came out of absolutely nowhere like you talk about fantasy football waiver the rams are the fantasy waiver wire darlings or like us we got puka tutu and kyron <laughs> what is this it's like a kid's cartoon. Puka and Tutu are running absolutely wild. They're ultimate warrior sprinting to the ring and going crazy. I don't um, get it. Speaking of those reps, what the hell is going on with Cam Akers again? 
Yeah. Is this not exactly what happened last year? Yeah. Started playing a couple games. Then all of a sudden is scratched. They're looking to trade him. They had no takers to trade him last year. He ended up coming back and actually being pretty good at the end of the Mm -hmm. season when he somehow got back in. Um, But man, first, first game, he was 22 carries, 29 yards. I don't know. Maybe that was just all Sean McVay needed to see and they moved him on. But uh, for Acres owners out there, uh, I'm not sure we're expecting anything anytime soon. No, no. And the thing is, I didn't buy any Acres. I put him on my do not draft list personally. Um, And I got Kyron Williams. As soon as I saw that that, uh, first game, I was like, I got to pick this guy up because you can't trust what McVay says about Acres. He'll crown him and then he'll demote him in the same game. And really, since that major injury, he has not had the same explosiveness nowhere close. You're talking about those yards per carry. That's really what you need to look at. And it's what? Yeah, like I was under two that one game, under three for the year. Like it's it's not good. So if you're Akers, I don't know what you get from if you trade if you trade him right now, but it looks like they're going to ride with Kyron Williams. The guy's explosive, and you're looking to win ball games. Like he's not going to be seeing the field much until – Something an injury or something changes. Andy McNamara joining us. You can give him a follow on Twitter at at on X, excuse me, at Andy MC eighty one. Throw it up, throw it up. <laughs> um, let me ask you um, about. I mean, I know there's tons of people. We've got our own league here for Winnipeg Sports Talk. There's a lot of people that are in a league. Uh, fill us in on uh, Andy's waiver wire picks for mm. week three when uh, people are filling out then uh, discuss- deciding what they're going to do with their fab dollars. Yeah, real interesting week. Actually, I'm going to have a full breakdown on uh, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara on YouTube and on Twitter, X, whatever, at SickPodBrowns, at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. That's going to be out tonight. Again, uh, YouTube, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. So I'm going to break that down fully. But names to keep an eye on. Tight end is always a wasteland. Right, Huss? We talked, good Lord. You don't have Hawkinson or Kelsey. What are you doing? Um, Zach Ertz is quietly and sneakily and not being talked about enough. He's owned in just 11% of Yahoo leagues. And what you have to look at is target share. Most targeted tight end in the NFL through two weeks. 10 and 8, six catches in each. Guy's getting you low double digits, and it's only a little bit till those touchdowns come his way. You're obviously hindered with the Josh Dobbs thing, but he's getting the ball. So that's a big that's a big part of it. Like I said, Jerome Ford's going to be the hottest ad. I would say, like for your fab, look to probably use. Don't be afraid. Don't use all of it, but like twenty to twenty five percent. Like I think you got to go heavy. Oh, like if you're I, I, a Nick listen, Chubb owner, what are you doing? You're gonna you're gonna I, listen. If I if I'm Nick Chubb and I got a hundred dollar fab, I'm probably spending fifty five or sixty on Ford. To be perfectly honest, right? So you can't you, you afford get, not to get him. No, you're right. It's it's absolute desperation. Um, Kyron Williams, if he's still out there, 2-2 at 12 for the Rams. Still just 25% rostered. Puka's getting all the attention, but 2-2's putting up some big numbers, big target share, and a lot of yardage. Um, another guy that I don't love overall, but I'm thinking, well, if running backs, and let's say you miss out on Ford, Zach Moss of the Colts, us, 53% ownership, and was getting those – was getting some catches, getting some yards, 107 combined yards and a touchdown. Um, he's got I slammed him on games. last week's waiver wire on pretty much everyone. I knew that he was going to be coming in. There you go. Um, and listen, he looks good. And I, and I think, I mean, we'll find out what the future for Jonathan Taylor is over more the games next on little while. But if he is traded, which mm-hmm. I think certainly is likely, heck, maybe the Browns uh, <laughs> Browns could uh, use a, a top flight running back like Boy. him with, the, with Nick Chubb out. 
Um, I think at that point, Zach Moss becomes the guy, and I think he becomes quite playable, especially if Richardson uh, if Richardson comes yeah. back. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you that people clamoring for Kareem Hunt to come back or Jonathan Taylor, it's not going to happen because of what I said earlier with Jerome Ford. They see Jerome Ford as a high-caliber starting running back. So you'll see them sign, some, like they traded before the season, Pierre Strong for a backup lineman. You'll see something like that, a trader, a veteran sign. But you will not see a a star Jonathan Taylor type trade. Oh, breaking news. Kareem Hunt has just signed with the Browns. Get out of here. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, what? Had, you had that unequivocal take, and I'm like, damn, I was kind of hoping that might happen. Oh, no. Well, the reason he's not going to is because, look, if you look at Kareem Hunt, his yards per carry went down. Um, the Browns have sent, like, the running back coach, Stump Mitchell, doesn't pull punches. He's like, we expect more. You're supposed to average um, high fours to five yards per carry. And he had attitude problems, and it just looks like he's – and no one else has signed him. He's gone for workouts, hasn't signed. Well, uh, we'll be staying on top of that. And as I say, yeah. I do have an unsigned Kareem Hunt ready to go for uh, any NFL team that's willing to give him touches. Uh, Andy, oh. fill people in, especially Browns fans. Sick podcast for uh, the uh, the Brownies. Yeah. yeah. Well, the show, I, I try to mix it up. So I do all Browns for, for the first half and then fantasy football for the second half. So those who aren't Browns fans still have a reason to watch. So Dan Toomey from Dynasty Nerds, uh, a great you know fantasy site. Me and him go over our waiver wire pickups, what to do at, at actually every position, some top pickups at every position for this week. That's going to come out Tuesday night, the sick podcast with Andy McNamara on uh, YouTube. So give it a subscribe and click the link on uh, Twitter at SickPodBrowns and at AndyMC81. And you're heading down to the Dog Pound? Who, uh, yeah, who are you man. going with? I'm going with my dad. We go every year, yeah, our annual trip. trip right so on. Papa Mac, we're heading down, getting uh, Thursday and coming back Monday, hopefully with a W because – Man, I was hoping to be a lot more happy going down. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll have some good food and beverages on the way to the game anyway. Uh, absolutely. Andy, great stuff. Have an awesome trip, and uh, we'll talk to you soon on WST. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. There it is, at AndyMC81, the one and only Andy McNamara. Um, uh, as I mentioned right off the top of the show, our pal Dallas fired a tweet and was just getting ready to listen to the show, and had lunch out at Little Brown Jug today. Oh, my God, what a perfect patio day. If you are downtown, this would be a great day to pop in. Of course, the spot that hosted our sports trivia night last Wednesday. Thanks again to everyone that came. Um, Hazy IPA is up and ready to go right now. Obviously, the generic 1919, all the other great beers available. And huge shaker on Saturday night, the event of the year, their Nuit Blanche party. Hargrave is going to be closed off, and uh, it is going to be a scene if you're looking for a great time. Saturday night, hit up Little Brown Jug downtown with their street party heading into fall. Um, I do want to, uh, uh, do got to thank our friends at uh, Breezy Bend for their great support all season long. Still some great golf weather, heck. Um, and of course, we'll be getting ready for some more golf reports for the Ryder Cup coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, but if you are thinking uh, about looking for a great long-term home for you and your family at one of Winnipeg's top private clubs, check out Breezy Bend uh, and get on. I suggest getting on the waiting list for 2024 right now. Talk to Corey Johnson at the clubhouse, or you can find out more at breezybend.ca. And again, a big cheers to the gang over at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge on an amazing, amazing season. I think they've just got a few more groups, and then it's time to pack it up for another year. 
Uh, but they also booking well into 2024 right now. So if you want to find out more about the Aikens experience and a booking dates for 2024, get on down to AikensLake.com. And of course, you can hit Pit Up on X as well at Aikens Lake. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Fun show today. Great stuff with Andy. Great stuff with Mike McIntyre. And uh, I got to say that the chat is really popping today, Reem, from what, uh, from what I've seen uh, throughout, these, um, throughout these interviews. Of course. You know why? Because we talked about uh, Jets lines and everyone's weighing in. Training camp lines. Everyone's talking about training camp lines. So, yeah, we're all fired up. But also a lot of speculation on this new jersey, new special jersey that's going to be unveiled on, what day is that? Saturday, 1145. Billix got some intel on Twitter. Uh, so you want to see what Billix yep. saying as we get into that? Uh, Here he says, the Jets will have a special jersey unveiled at FanFest on Saturday, 11.45. Curious to see if this has something to do with the RCAF Centennial in 2024, given their current jerseys are designed after the RCAF Roundel. Okay. And then he says some rumblings. The new jersey will be accompanied by brown gloves as part of the look. Brown throwback hockey gloves always look good. As for the jersey, I hear it will incorporate a cream color to it. We will see Saturday. So Billick with a couple little nuggets there, Huss. Yeah, we'll put it this way. I think he uh I think that's some pretty good Big J detective work on putting together the 100th anniversary of the RCAF. Um that is very smart and of course, um you know, the Winnipeg or the Manitoba Moose True North have done a jersey commemorating that in the past. Um one of the most popular Moose third jerseys that they ever did. So, um, I mean, I guess we, we will see. Uh, we'll count it down mm. to, uh, to Saturday. Can we, we can speculate those, on the jersey. That's allowed us. We can us. speculate on the jerseys. We can speculate on the jersey. You can speculate on anything. I mean, you can sit there on HF boards all night and just talk about all sorts of things that could be, could be very much speculative. Um, but we'll have some facts coming up on Saturday. And again, we're going to be down at the at FanFest, folks. I hope to... See you down there. Make sure to pop by and say hi to us. I know the IC guys are going to be doing their show as well there from 9 to 11. Um, and who knows? We may actually crank out something live from there. Um, but we'll certainly grab a bunch of content and have that for you on the channel at Winnipeg Sports Talk, which is another reason why you need to make sure you're subscribed to the channel. And I would recommend to everybody, turn your notifications on. So yes. uh, if all of a sudden we're going live on Saturday you will get a little alert and you can jump in and it'll be a little weekend chatting for everybody from uh, from the event. Um, let's get to, uh, there is a big, big game tonight, folks, and we haven't talked a lot of baseball, but it is crunch time right now in the American League and the Blue Jays after that huge bounce back sweep over the Red Sox on the weekend actually find themselves up a game on both Texas and Seattle. And I found out today, Reem, from Jake, Texas and Seattle are going head-to-head seven times down the stretch, whereas Toronto has two series against the Yankees and two series against the Rays. And I believe the Jays' magic number to clinch, according to my pal Jake over at Cool Bet, is eight right now. Um, So tonight, 
Kikuchi on the hill, a big, big game for the Blue Jays. And, you know, he's been so good all season long. Did get roughed up a little bit last week against Texas. Man, could they use a big start from Kikuchi um, to start off this series against the Yankees. Yeah, every game. This is basically like the pre-playoffs. Huh? So, yeah, Jays need to win as many as they can. Seattle winning yesterday against Oakland. So a lot of games tonight. And your guy Kikuchi, slight favorite, uh, the Blue Jays. So, or sorry, it's pretty even, my bad. I can't read. Actually, yeah, I'm looking at slight underdog slight right underdog. now. The, uh, yeah. Yankees are minus 111. Jays are minus 102. Um, and again, I'm just looking at these pitching props for Kikuchi. Over five and a half strikeouts is minus 135. He didn't get that in his last game, but he's actually been over the previous six games before that. Do not mind that. Um, pitching outs over under 14 and a half. Can he finish the fifth inning, I guess, is basically what that question is. And hits allowed over or under four and a half. Um, all those props up right now, but the Jays just around even money at minus 102. Uh, meanwhile, we're wondering where the other teams in the race are tonight. The Texas Rangers are home to the Boston Red Sox. Oh, and your Mariners have a date with the Oakland Athletics. Just what you want to see on the schedule when you need wins coming down the stretch for a wild card spot in the American League. Oh, yeah, and I knew uh, Brian Wu was going to have a big game yesterday. Certainly did, and I didn't jinx Seattle when I wore the Mariners jersey at the Little Brown Jug <laughs> trivia night last week. Hey, let me ask you this. We did this on the uh, on the lock shop today, and I'm interested to see. Have you looked at – you haven't looked at the CFL lines yet? I haven't. Okay, don't pull them up. Okay. What do you think the line is, or what would you suggest the line is for BC at Edmonton? Oh, man. Okay. BC minus four and a half. Minus four and a half. Okay. I thought BC minus three. Okay. So we're, we're close. It, it's BC minus seven and a half. Now, the Elks have been shut out twice by BC. Yeah. But again, that was before Trey Ford. I mean, to me, this is a completely different team that's playing right now. Edmonton's good I now. think I'm going to unload on the Elks as seven and a half point home dogs on that B against that BC game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Trey Ford, he's been one of the most exciting players in the league. They've been close. Maybe not the best passer, but I mean, he works his legs and you know, he's made the receivers uh, relevant. I mean, Geno Lewis, he thought he was going to be like Kenny Lawler last year and yeah. he's had a, you know, a couple breakout games here with Trey Ford. It's amazing how different they look with this change at quarterback and it's you, you watch them. You're like, why were they using Taylor Cornelius for so long and getting absolutely nowhere? So uh, good for them. Nice to see them have well, some they even, success. He's another guy before him. Like Trey Ford was third string coming out yeah. of camp and for the first half didn't make any sense. Um, what would you think? What would you guess the line is for Montreal at Calgary? Oh, man. Um, at Calgary? Calgary? Calgary minus three. It's exactly what I said. It's Montreal minus two. Montreal, man, they suck. <laughs> Cody Fajaro, man, he's a huge disappointment. They're not good. Um, they're, you, I, they're, I don't home, mind. they're road favorites in Calgary? They're road favorites that right make, now. That doesn't so make as sense. As I say, if you want some little, there's, there's, our, there's our sharp lines here today. 
Great value on Edmonton, and I think great value on Calgary. Calgary plus 115 to win it as a home dog. Um, and listen, if you think Edmonton can win plus 260, I'll take the points on this one. Uh, other lines right now, Riders minus one and a half in Ottawa, and the Argos 10-point uh, favorites at home against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, Argos, though, the favorite for the Grey Cup right now, plus 140 for Toronto. Bombers went down just slightly after the weekend, plus 185. BC plus 365. And then there's everyone else, starting with the Alouettes at 15 to 1. Uh, it's all there at Cool Bet. Use the promo code WST if you haven't played there before for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks when you make your first deposit there. And there's some other great promos there. If you're already a Cool Better, check out the promotions page. Uh, for the latest. Um, Reem, let's get to it. One more order of business. Two days left of live racing, and it's time to make the picks after you banged off the biggest single win of the year with the $150 win on the Triactor box last night. Yes, uh, $150.70. $149. Thank you. I'm so, so happy. I was... I didn't watch it live, actually, but I did see the number. I was like, whoa. And I just go look at my transaction history. Anna Kozana just opposed double-barreled elite. My, they'll be in my good books forever. Always. 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 So let me uh, pull up the races. Do you have picks for today? I do. I do. I'm just deciding on my last one here. Um, let me pull my- I don't really want to go with Miss Parfait on this one. I need to get another one for my... What about Saturday service? Yikes. I think I have Saturdays. Anyways, are you on race one? Uh, no, I'm not on, I'm not on race okay, one. I'll give my race one pick. Okay. I'm going good. with Exacta Box, Club Champ, and number three, Unbroken Star. Story, smart call. Didn't make the cut this time, but Club Champ, Unbroken. Going with, uh, you know, a longer shot and a favorite. Uh, try to get that bigger payout. Beauty. I think I, actually, maybe I did bet race one. Oh, I did. Sorry. I just bet on Club Champ to win. I, man, I've, I'm big Club Champ guy. Club Champ's been very good to us so far. So, yeah, I am in, actually, on Club Champ for uh, for that one tonight. I'm on – my next one's four, race four. So, I don't know if Me you – Me too. Okay. What are you going with? Uh, another exacta box. I'm going with two, four. Stay happy, the favorite with a longer shot, Chicago's gray. Hmm, interesting. I'm taking Adam's Creed to win race number five. Uh, so a couple winners to start off. It's not usually my uh, my style. I do have a tractor box in race five, though. Okay. Uh, and I guess this is, ooh, geez, I guess this is the chalk box. I didn't realize this, but three, five, seven. Miss you... Z, Miss MJ, and that's a lot of bling. Okay. Always like that's a lot of bling. I don't have this this one, but I'm on race seven and eight. Going for the end with a lot of horses. All right, perfect. Bang off those picks, and okay. I'll have one more. Seven. I, I just have... added, by the way, I just added a win bet on that's a lot of bling, by the way, in race number five. Okay. I got seven, one, two, three, Saturday service, Miss Parfait, 
and Maybella. So I got the two program selections and a bit of a longer shot. Maybella, I've won on before a couple times. That's my horse right there, Maybella. I don't know if you you got any. You got one on this one or I no? Like uh, th- this is what race? Seven. Race number seven. Oh yeah, I did a uh, three seven exactor box. Where the money went? Yeah, I couldn't decide on the other. Uh, I and couldn't Maybella. decide on the other uh, one to uh, one yeah, to roll with. Tim's Texas bling was scratched and uh, kind of opened things up on this one. And I then gotcha. number number eight, three four eight for me. Big Nick, Magic Tiger, and Manodura. Okay, mine. That's this, a bit of that's this, the chalk. That's the chalk box. This is exactly what happened last night. Um, we came down to it. We had one different race, one different horse, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I went. I'm fading. I'm fading. Magic Tiger. Should I do that? Jeez. Well, McKay. I'm. I'm. I'm no. I'm sorry, I, McKay, who I've picked I've so got many McKay times. In it. I can't, I can't not do it. So I'm going Big Nick, Mano Dura, and McKaig. We're leaving the favorite out. Maybe that'll be a big one. Actually, go- that's what I need for tonight after you hit it last time. I'm night, going so. for the chalk box. Those are all program selections. Worked out for me in these, these big fields. Two more nights to get to the track, folks. Um, tomorrow, mm-hmm. the final day, some big stakes races I'm looking at, including that last one. Um, so it should be a great, yeah. great night and absolutely gorgeous weather. Looking at the, what do we got right now? Current conditions, 28 degrees. Wow. Um, and of course, Tuesday or today, tomorrow's going to be 25. Then it looks like it sort of gets cloudy and a little rainy heading through the weekend. So make the most of it right now. And yeah, if you got the chance to get out to the track one more time this year, tonight and tomorrow, the final two days of live racing. Yeah, I'm going to have to tune in to Cinnaboy, uh, Cinnaboy Downs YouTube, get those in. Uh, as we wrap up, as we didn't talk, there's one Jets news item we did not touch on. The Jets 23-24 broadcast schedule announced today 60 games on TSN3 or t- and then 22 on Sportsnet regular season. That adds up to 82. Yep. I, I had speculated that they would hose us and put one game TSN plus. on TSN+. <laughs> plus. They didn't do that, so I guess thank you. I'm sure it'll be. I don't know when this deal is up, or you know if they're going to get it. But I'm sure at some point it's going to happen. We're going to get hosed. You're going to have to buy some streaming package for one game. Well, but well, not this. You know not let's this not, year. Let's not proactively complain about something that hasn't actually taken place. That's true. That's. Like like we can speculate on the lines, but let's not speculate on how mad we're going to be when something bad happens in the future. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) You know, we won't speculate on that. So every game's on, yeah, TSN3 or Sportsnet and uh, who? uh, Dan Robertson with Kevin Sawyer and John Liu back on the broadcast team. And they have a lot of Monday, Wednesday, you know, hockey or what is it? Monday, Wednesday, Sportsnet games and 11 on Saturdays. Some of them at two, some of them at six. I guess some of them would be a nine as well. Uh, here's the schedule, Hus. Uh, yeah, first game of the year, Wednesday, October 11, 9 p.m. Sportsnet. I was well, staring at that thing all night last night because I hooked up at BP for Monday Night Football with my brother and uh, one of my other pals to split up our uh, tickets in 316. Yeah. So we're just going through all of those dates. And um, it... Uh, <laughs> 
listen, I mean, you got uh, uh, some weird game times this year. Um, there's an, like an 11.30 a.m. game in Carolina at one point. Obviously, there's a couple 9 p.m. road games. Uh, and then a few more afternoon games, like 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I mean, even the home opener is a 3 o'clock game when things get going. I mean... I guess I've sort of come around. I used to really hate afternoon games, and I found that they were often the most dead, like like on on the actual ice. Sometimes I think you can get maybe a bit of a younger crowd, some more kids in it that really kind of add to it. Um, but as I said, went through that schedule last night. Very, very much looking forward to uh, getting back at it. But before that, we do have some preseason games coming up next week, Reem. Uh, but Fan Fest, Saturday the unveiling of this jersey that we've been talking about mm-hmm. today and um, which should be a great way to kind of really officially kick off training camp and uh, welcoming fans back to uh, back to the club and the grind. Yeah, that should be fun. We'll be there over the table set up. I should add, if anyone wanted to get some, like a hoodie or a hat, someone in our uh, YouTube comments was asking yesterday about hoodie. If you do, you can order on our website for local pickup. We'll bring it to FanFest. Come grab it. And if you want oh, to use promo, promo code FanFest, you'll get a bit of a discount as well I'll throw yes. I'll throw that code. in there for the people worked for the uh gold eyes had a couple pickups there so we'll be at a, we'll have a booth uh set up there uh, that, yeah, that's yeah I think fun. we're actually going to get out there on Friday um and get ready yes. for it but it's going to be a big big weekend so um join us tomorrow though and I guess we'll uh, have one more skate and one more sleep but tomorrow at noon before we're on the air uh, Bones and Chevy are both going to be speaking, so I imagine uh, we will work hard to have that for you on tomorrow's program, along with some reaction from it, as well as Murata Tesh and much, much more. Um, folks, great stuff today. A lot of fun in the chat. You can just feel there's the excitement that the season is right around the corner, and um, obviously not a lot of bomber things to do to talk about with the team on the bye. But shout out to Blade Brady Oliveira up at 4.30 in the morning today, heading up north for more dog rescues. What a beauty that guy is and what a season that he is having. Um, gang, have a great time tonight. Enjoy the Blue Jays game if you watch it. I'm nervous about this one, but I uh, think I'm going to ride with the visitors, see if my guy Kikuchi can get it done. We'll break it down tomorrow on a Wednesday edition on the eve of the official start of Winnipeg Jets training camp on your home of sports in the peg, WST. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.